So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Dumb. Summer loving, happy a blast. Summer loving happened so fast. I met a girl, crazy for me. Met a boy, cute as can be. Summer days drifting away. To the summer night. Summer night. So well, oh well, oh well, oh well. Tell me more, tell me more. Did you get very far? Tell me more, tell me more. Then you get very far. All right, all right. That's the song. Grease. Grease. Get it? It's Grease. It's Grease again because we're doing Theros. But this time it's a different spelling of Grease. Oh, wow. You guys saw our preview card. You'll understand and you listen to the song. I like it because it works. I've said many times, I'm a theater major, so I love all. Musicals. Yeah, I mean, that, that music is also a very special. One, one of the greats. One of the greats. Okay. What's up, everybody? How's it going? You're watching slash listening to the Command Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Wow. We are sitting here, and if, if you're looking at the video, you can see there's a bunch of cards arrayed in front of us, and these are the new legendary creatures yes. from Theros Beyond Death. And there are a lot of them. What is this? 20... Five? Two, three, four, five. 26. Yowza. That's a ton. Uh, especially for a set, like, we've had sets in the past that were, like, built around legendary creatures and you expect it, like Dominaria or whatever. Yeah. This is just a regular set. Well, Wizards has done the same thing where they're putting legends at uncommon. So that means we have a lot of cards to talk about today and a lot of cards to break down. This is one of two set reviews for Theros Beyond Death. The next one, we'll be covering the rest of the non-legendary cards. But let's get right into it. But before we do... Make sure that you head on over to cardkingdom.com slash commandzone if you're looking up to pick up any cards from Theros Beyond Death or if you want to pick up some of the special versions of the cards. All oh, of yeah. the gods have their constellation arts as well as there's going to be the extended art frames like we saw in the uh, last set, Throne of Eldraine. So a lot of great cards to pick up. The number one place to do it and you can support the show by doing so is just by typing in cardkingdom.com slash commandzone and then boom, you're on the website just like anyone else and you're going to buy magic cards anyway. So why not help us out in the meantime? And another way to support all of our content is by supporting our other sponsor, which is Ultra Pro. Ultra Pro makes all the stuff that protects all of your gaming pieces. So they make the sleeves mm -hmm. for your cards. They make the playmat also for your cards. They made the deck box <laughs> also for your cards. I'm sensing a theme here. They also, speaking of themes, theme a lot of their stuff around the most recent set. So you'll be able to find Theros-themed sleeves, deck boxes, playmats. So if you want to roll up with like one of the new Theros gods in a playmat that has the picture of that god in sleeves for that god, well, Ultra Pro is probably going to be the place where you're going to do that. Yep. And there, are, I think there are two cards in here that I'm potentially thinking about building a deck around. Definitely. Well, we already built one for Game Nights. Yeah. There's another <laughs> one I've been eyeing myself. So Ooh. some exciting stuff. Uh, and the final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone. You can join our community, chat with Jimmy and I on Discord. If you're at the correct tier level, you get yeah. to watch things like game nights earlier than anybody else. We and really our community is thriving. 
we have this whole deck tech area people always send us decks to break down we don't have time for it but you post your deck list in the discord you're gonna get 5 10 15 people giving you amazing advice and discussing what you're doing which is awesome yeah we have a lot of edh veterans in our discord also they like to discuss the latest episode um the episode we did while you were gone jimmy was with craig and i talking about ramp and we had this whole discussion about is sort of feast and famine a ramp card is Seedborn Muse a ramp card? A lot of controversy surrounding that. The Discord really had a lot of fun discussions that we've been getting involved with. So, That's cool. Again, patreon.com slash command zone. And one of the other benefits is we shout out one lucky patron every single episode. Are you ready for this one? <laughs> yeah. All right. And this, the random num- number generator sometimes gives us tough ones. This episode is dedicated to Lucas Vazniki de Andrade. Lucas, pretty sure we got that right. You rock. Do you pronounce the K in the second one or you just go straight to Vazniki? I said Vazniki. Yeah, because... But it could be Kvazniki. Yeah, that's... Cool name. Either way, you Sometimes V's are W's. I'm not sure what culture this is from, too. Kwasniki? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm sorry, Lucas, but we got the Andrade part probably, right? Yeah, probably? I, I think so. Yeah, you definitely pronounced the E at the end of that one. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, main topic. Theros Beyond Death, the new legendary creatures, the new commander review... So Theros is a plane that's all about devotion. Mm -hmm. So there's a bunch of the devotion mechanic, which cares about how many of the pips, which is the colored mana symbols in the top right corner of cards that you have on the battlefield. Um, Any permanence. Right. So as a result, a lot, there's not any three color or more commanders. There's no five color commander. Usually Mm -hmm. most sets we've had like one or two five color. There's none in this set. It's mono color. Or two color, because Devotion really wants you to stick to one or two colors. Yep, and this is in theme with the original Theros block as well. We've got a bunch of the gods returning, mm-hmm. and they're templated the same as the gods were in original Theros. We've seen gods since, like an Amonkhet, that were templated slightly differently. Yeah, and they're different. They and the, law, the gods here are indestructible. The old gods would maybe shuffle into your library or bounce to your hands in different ways. They're enchantment creatures, which mm-hmm. means they count as both. Um, so things to keep in mind. All right, let's start here. We're going to go down alphabetically. Yep. <laughs> so We've got quite a lot to go through. Yeah. All right. You want to read the first one? Yeah. Uh, the first one is Illyrios Enraptured. Two in a blue for a 2-3 legendary creature human. Illyrios enters the battlefield tapped. Illyrios doesn't untap during her untap step unless you control a reflection. And when Illyrios enters the battlefield, create a 3-2 blue reflection creature token. And the flavor text, why would they ever want to look away? So it's uh, this this young Illyrius looking into the water, seeing a reflection. He's a 2-3. He makes a 3-2. He doesn't untap unless you have a reflection out there. Can you guess what Greek god this is based off of? Uh, my Greek mythology is not great. What should one Narcissist. Oh, yes. Because uh, he's a yeah. narcissist. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, and it can't see a reflection, then... It doesn't care, yeah. It yeah. needs to have... Hit, can't see my yeah. reflection, then I don't even want to be here. So yeah. just... There's a lot of actually famous art of Narcissus that's in the exact same pose of him sort of like gazing over a pond, which is yeah. cool. The flavor is great. So, interesting card. It's an uncommon, so not incredibly pushed. I think this is obviously like blinky stuff. Yeah. Panharmonicon, Conjurer's Closet. Definitely uh, better than the 99. It's, yeah. I, you don't want to make a deck around this. You you might put this into a deck that's going to blink it, but it has Brago or Rune or mm-hmm. something like that at the helm. Uh, I don't think you're going to be very well served having this as your commander. Because making a 3-2, you know, over and over, it's okay. It's not great. Yeah. I mean, why not just Thrag Tusk? Although that does cost more mana. At the base, three mana, you get five power. So that's it's like five power, five tuss- yeah. toughness. It's not actually that bad. It's just very slow because Illyrios himself has all of this other stuff that he needs to, <laughs> to untap. Yeah, true. Okay. We are not super impressed with Illyrios. The next legendary creature is Annex, Hardened in the Forge. 
I don't know where... Because it used to be Annex and Simodine. That's right. But it's not anymore. Annex <laughs> is by himself. Has a cool um, Constellation version of the card, which I'm holding right here. Okay, one red red for a star three. It's a legendary enchantment creature demigod. Yeah, first time we see demigods, by the way. Annex's power is equal to your devotion, devotion to red. So it's a two three if it's the only thing out because it has two red pips. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, if you have more red pips, it could be huge. Whenever Annex or another non-token creature you control dies, you create a 1-1 one, one red satyr creature token with this creature can't block. If the creature had four power or greater, meaning the creature that died, the non-token creature that died, you create two of those tokens instead. So a little bit wordy, but mm. while Annex is out, if any of your non-tokens die, you get a satyr creature token. But if the thing that died had four power, you get two satyr tokens including Annex, so if Annex dies and it happened to have four power at that time, you'll get two satyrs. But the satyrs can't block. Yeah, they can't block. They don't have haste either, which is something that you would expect satyrs to sometimes have. Yeah, so it's a token card. I think, you know, I automatically think of like aristocrat-style decks because anytime you're sacrificing a creature and getting another creature, which means you're basically allowed to sacrifice your creatures right. twice. Like imagine you have Ashnod's Altar out and like any kind of like little creature, a goblin or something... If you sack it, you get two mana. It creates a satyr that you can then sack and get two mana. So all yeah. your creatures turn into four mana. That's just with Ashnod's Altar. There's all kinds of effects that kind of do that. Now, mono red, you'd have to be in Davanix at the helm. So it kind of limits you in that respect. Yeah, I don't think this is a commander either. But it does seem really interesting for Corvald kind of decks because you're going to be sacrificing a lot of things. And it yeah. has red in it because Aristocrats typically is black-white. Um, the original Perforos as well. Uh, you get a lot of damage off these creatures that get sacrificed. You could do Aristocrats... Um, uh, Rakdos and Perforos mm -hmm. is great, right? Because every time, yeah, you're sacking creatures, more are coming to the battlefield. We're talking about old Perforos because there is a new Perforos. Yes. But anytime a creature enters the battlefield, does two damage to each of your opponents. So this is a way to like play a little creature, does two damage to everybody, sack it, makes yeah. another creature, does two damage to everybody, kind of get in those kind of loops. I don't think you really want to sack power for a creature greater creatures in general. Just True, but if, if it dies. Good. Yeah, if it yeah. dies, which is pretty good. Um, or maybe there are creatures power four greater that maybe make multiple tokens when they come in and you kind of get into... A little loop there. Yeah. The next card is sort of famous for going infinite with Ashnod's Altar and anything that makes extra creatures. Yeah. Nim Death Mantle. Uh, it gives a creature plus two, plus two. Most, more importantly, it's a two mana equipment that whenever a non-token creature is put into the graveyard from your battlefield, you can pay four mana. And if you do, you return that card to the battlefield and you reattach the Nim Death Mantle to it. So what happens is with Ashnod's Altar or some way to sack creatures for mana, that pays for the cost of Nim Death Mantle, which sort of endlessly can bring back certain things. So, yeah. And then in this case, do damage over and over again. And if Annex, if you have enough red pips out, Annex has four power, makes two satyrs, which mm -hmm. gives you the four mana to bring it back and you can get into that loop. So if Perforos yeah. is, is out in that instance... Yeah, you then you just kill everybody. Yeah, or you like you sacrifice them to a goblin bombardment type of effect. Yep. Um, yeah, lots of interesting things to do there, but by itself is just a bit tougher to work with. Now, notably, there is a satyr lord in this set called Gallia, the Endless Dance that maybe pairs along well with Annex. Yeah, interesting. We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. All right, next up is a mono black uh, commander. It's Ephemia the Cacophony, one in the black for a 2-1 legendary enchantment creature, Harpy. It has flying, and at the beginning of your end step, you may exile an enchantment card from your graveyard. If you do, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. This is a great limited card. <laughs> I mean, it's a two-mana, two-one flyer with upside. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think... It's just okay, to be honest. Well, it's... <laughs> How it, many enchantments are you going to be playing in black? Thinking. Why has it got to be enchantment? Like, that makes it so limited. I think you got to be in self-mill 
have a yeah. lot of enchantments in your deck. And then the most you can really get per turn is one 2-2 two, two zombie. Like, it's very hard. You've got Strionic Resonator down here. That's a way to make two 2-2 two, yeah. two zombies, but it costs you two mana. Do you want to pay two mana for an extra 2-2? Two, two? You could do it, pay it for a lot. Yeah, there's a lot better things to invest mana in. Um, so, I, <laughs> I mean, Zombie Reanimator, Animate Dead, Liliana's Mastery, those types of cards are enchantments yep. that also care about zombies. This pairs well if you play Deadweight. Sure. Yeah, Kill the thing. You know, it goes or Seal of Doom. So these are enchantments that will find their way into your graveyard. Seal but of Doom's not so bad, but you. Th- I don't want to play Deadweight in a deck. Yeah. I guess if you're playing Pioneer or something, you Deadweight into Ephemia and then have four power on turn two. Sure. Sure. Pioneer. Sure. Yeah. yeah see yeah, there. It's, it's not that. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a card we're probably going to see much. No. Um, the next one is arasta of the endless web it's two green green for a legendary enchantment creature a spider it's a three five with reach so four mana three five reach whenever an opponent casts an instant or sorcery spell create a one two green spider creature token with reach that's actually kind of cool i mean it's interesting right because you don't have control of it yes correct like, it's hard to build your deck around this. I mean, I thought of uh, Faraz's Ban. <laughs> it's so silly. Which is a six-mana artifact that says creature spells cost two more to cast. Because I was like, how do you force your opponents to cast instants and sorceries? You make it harder to cast other things. Yeah. But even that wouldn't it necessarily make them cast instants or sorceries. They just would cast their creatures, like, at a slower rate or, or something. I don't know. The, like... I don't know. I just can't think of the deck that really wants this because it's it's so... You just want to put it in a deck that wants spiders. Like Ishkana. But you might not even get spiders. It's true, but maybe this is better than your other random spider you had in your deck that doesn't do as much as Arasta. And let's say Arasta makes you at least one spider. That's four mana for a four or seven in, you know, power and toughness. Yeah, but I mean... I mean, Ishkana at least has, like, the text, uh, and same with Rot Widow Pack, where you can pay mana, and then your opponent loses life for the spider to control. Yeah. So, like, maybe you get a bunch after a while, and Arasa is just another one on top of it. Um, I can see this being kind of like another token deck thingy, Mabobber. But the thing is, like, I would love to get this out in turn two, because then people yeah. are casting the ramp spells, and you have other things you know are going to happen. Yeah, see, it's game. four mana, so it's it's probably after their Kodama's reaches and ramp and yeah. have already been cast. And then it's like, I don't know. Like, if they're worried because you have a bunch of spiders or you're doing something, they just don't cast the instants and sorcerers, probably. Yeah, but even then, it's only giving you one, so it's not as crazy. I think this is, like, generically okay value, and it's a card that if you're really into spiders, and honestly, who is really into spiders? You Spider tribal, it's, it's, it's out there. I have arachnophobia, so that's not for me. <laughs> it's only going in the spider tribal deck, I think. I don't think you're yeah. playing it otherwise, yeah. Yeah. All true, right. true. All right, next up, this one's actually a really interesting one. It's Atris, Oracle of Half-Truths. It's incredibly flavorful. Two, a blue, and a black for a 3-2 legendary creature, Human Advisor, with Menace. And when Atris enters the battlefield, target opponent looks at the top three cards of your library and separates them into a face-down pile and a face-up pile. Put one pile into your hand and the other into your graveyard. I like that part of it because it's pretty cool. Yeah. They can like play games with you. Yeah. They get, you show you like one lands. good card and two <laughs> lands. You're like, well, man, the two cards must be awesome. Yeah, two is always better than one, right? <laughs> uh, I wish it was when it attacked two or something. That'd be too good for like yeah, just regular magic. But it's just like, how are you going to get to do this over and over again, even if it's your commander? Because it's yeah. four mana for like a pretty minimal effect likely to draw you one and a half cards maybe yeah unless you're all about blinking you know yeah in which case Demir's not the best at that i guess you could do it though you could have some blinky stuff i guess if you built this as your commander you would have some blinky stuff but even then like yeah it's like moderate value for the blink 
I'd rather stick it in a Moldrotha deck because mm -hmm. then you get to play the cards out of your graveyard no matter what. So this becomes like a four mana draw three, which is okay for a creature. Yeah, I guess so. I, I think, yeah, that's true because the, the cards go to your graveyard. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I like stuff like that. I think you probably want like top scroll rack oh for sure in this deck because so then they can't know. trick you you're just, <laughs> you're just like i know what all the cards are so it would be very hard for them to like you know separate them into a pile that where you don't get the best part of it yeah it, this card does not feel pushed i think if it was three mana it'd be much better um but you could also play like mystic sanctuary get some stuff back it's it's kind of one of those things uh i did find it funny that you could this works for cards like CDC and Sir right. Conrad because you're milling into your graveyard so you'll get more stuff out of that and this goes into you know the Sir Conrad goes into this deck and this would go into a CDC deck one thing I found online though it's an advisor so right, if you so ever want the commander for your persistent petitioners deck maybe <laughs> Atris is the one <laughs> Sure. I'd rather... Okay, sure. I mean, I don't... At I, least I, it's I, card I, advantage for a deck <laughs> like that, which maybe has trouble with it. Uh, it's yeah. blue-black. They don't have trouble with card advantage. What am I saying? Either way, you don't take the pile with Persistent Petitioners because you'll probably just draw some more. All right. So, the next one is Khalifi, Beloved of the Sea. Beloved of the Sea. One blue-blue for a star three legendary enchantment creature demigod. Khalifi's power is equal to your devotion to blue. Big surprise there. So, it's a two-three for three mana at its base. Creatures and enchantments you control have spells your opponents cast that target this permanent cost one more to cast. So sort of makes it a little bit harder to target your mm -hmm. creatures and enchantments. This is, I mean, we shouldn't talk about this one probably for too long because it's clearly not really something you build a deck around. Maybe yeah. like mono blue. It's in Voltron. a cycle of the uncommon gods. Yeah, which uh, are all pretty middling. Mono blue aura Voltron, maybe you put like a Pemenzora on it. You Pemenzora has a bunch of things, but the it has a bunch of different abilities. But mm -hmm. the one I think you want is Enchanted Creature gains Shroud until end of turn. Yeah, uh, which means that it will be difficult for them to target. They'll have to pay extra, and then um, yeah, yeah. You play Calif if you if you have stuff you want to protect creatures and enchantments specifically, but it's whatever, to be honest. If you did like Aura Voltron, you always got to be worried about board wipes. So maybe you play something like Crystal Chimes to like help you recover, which is a three mana artifact. You pay three, tap and sacrifice it and return all enchantment cards from your graveyard to your hand. Yeah, it's a kind of cool card. You don't really see that very often. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. All right. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> next up, Dalco's Crafter of Wonders. One blue and a red for a legendary creature, Merfolk Artificer. That's a 2-4. And you can tap it to add colorless, colorless. Spend this mana only to cast artifact spells or activate abilities of artifacts. And equip creatures you control have flying and haste. So this is actually really interesting. It's a blue-red artifact equipment matters deck. Um, I'm actually going to be playing this, spoiler alert, on the next game nights. So I crafted a whole deck around it. Uh... And we'll be doing a deck tech on this. So we're not going into huge detail here, but this is basically the card renowned Weaponsmith on a commander. Uh, by itself, it's just a three mana commander that ramps you for two for artifacts, which is, you know, that to, to know that you always have that card in the command zone and will always play it on turn three means you could build an entire deck with a lot of really good six drops. I mean, it's kind of a worn power, at, at least a worn power stone in your command zone. Yeah. And worn power stone's a good card that goes in a lot of decks. Yeah. It and, needs to be artifact spells or activated abilities of artifacts. Right. But I mean, you would never run this in a deck that doesn't have <laughs> like at least yeah. 30 artifacts or whatever. And then, yeah, you can activate the abilities and equip the creatures with the artifacts uh, with, with Dalakos' mana. So yeah. that, that helps a lot. Um, so it seems like if you just took every equipment in Magic and then you added the text, 
you know, gives haste and flying. Oh, you to what it did, yeah. then some of the equipment becomes busted. Busted. Well, that's why Batterskull is so good in this yeah. deck, is because it comes in, it already is equipped to a creature, so you only pay an equip cost. It's a living weapon, so it has flying haste and lifelink, and then boom, you smack someone for a bunch of damage in the air immediately. Yeah, out of nowhere. This this is the deck where if Dalakos is out, you always got to be worried you could die if you don't have like a flying blocker. Yeah, because they could just play something crazy. And then... And you know it's always going to be Smack you out of the well. air and it's got haste, yeah. Yeah. Um, I other... think this is actually a very strong commander. And, mm-hmm. you know, in recent years, we've seen a lot more blue and red artifact matters commanders. And this is a good one. Yeah, you also want cards that attach to creatures when it comes in. like Or, or cards that have zero equip costs. So you uh, can always move them around. flip them around, yeah. Um, like Shuko, Running War Club, automatically attaches. Um, and then, you know... Cards like Mere Battlesphere, Steel Hellkite are all just like massive things you drop in and smack people with. with yeah, Warm Coil Engine, like, because you can just pay the cost for it. So this yeah. taps to cast it. Yeah. yeah. Just so you don't have that you... only have equipment. Yeah. Play them on turn three. By turn four, you have four lands. Turn, and then on turn four, you can play a six drop. Yeah. So, which is good. Yeah, very good. I mean, that's if you didn't find any of their other ramp. Like, mm-hmm. let's just say you played it Signet on turn two. Now all of a sudden, turn four, you got seven mana. That's Mere Battlesphere, turn four. Yeah. Pretty good. All right, the next one is Daxos. Daxos is back. Blessed of, or sorry, blessed by the sun. Costs white, white for a two star, two slash star. Legendary enchantment creature, demigod. Daxos is, you guessed it, toughness is equal to your devotion to white. And it says, whenever another creature you control enters the battlefield or dies, you gain one life. Okay, all right. White loves gaining life. The demigods. This is the white version, by the way. It's kind of cool that the uncommons are demigods and yeah. the mythic and rares are the gods. gods. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's kind of like the Soul Sister decks, which is a combination of Soul Warden and Soul's Attendant, that when creatures enter the battlefield, you gain a life. There's so, a whole bunch of different versions of this card. The yeah. Soul Sisters are kind of the most common ones, but there's a lot of cards that say, you know, when creatures enter the battlefield in some way or leave the battlefield, you gain a life. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, it says when they die as well, which i think is a little more interesting i just none none of this card interests me really at all well it's just not doing anything that different than stuff that's already out there so yeah. would you rather run daxos or ailey or uncle carl or you know right. one of these other life gain things it's it's tough i mean some cards that would definitely go in this deck archangel of thune mm-hmm. uh every time you gain life put a one-one counter on each creature you control dawn of hope is sort of card draw with life uh, gain. Yeah, well of Lost too. Dreams is also drawing cards when you gain life. Um, yeah, you kind of have to do whatever you can to effectively use the life gain here. And then, you know, you probably want stuff that sort of cares about how much life you have. So, Felidar Sovereign, you win the game if your yeah, life rolls above 40. 40. Uh, if you're playing this in a black deck, like an Aristocrats type deck, because you're gaining life as well, Not, you're not taking life away but you can play cards like forever young which you know you sack all your things put them all on top of your library and if you have bolus of citadel out you have gar- you've gained a ton of life and then you can just replay all of them off the top of your library and get a ton of triggers that way um this might be good in a defense-based deck because he you might have really high devotion to white oh because dexos has a big butt yeah so high alert or Hwatli, the sun's heart um someone said darian king of kildor online which is fine is funny because whenever you're dealt damage you create that many one one white soldier creature tokens Gain the life. Gain all the life from them coming in. That's sort of like the souls, sisters type thing. So you just, yeah. but They're just not going to hit you then. Yeah, they'll find it. They'll just get rid of your creatures or board wipe. So, (laughs) yeah, you know. Really really cool strategy for like all of 10 seconds. (laughs) All right. We're to our first god. All right. And a good one. It's Erebos, Bleak Hearted. 
Three and a black for a 5-6 legendary enchantment creature god. Has indestructible. As long as your devotion to black is less than five, Erebos isn't a creature. So same as before. Mm -hmm. And he only has one black pip, so it does not get you very close. And whenever another creature you control dies, you may pay two life. If you do, draw a card. And also the text, one in the black, sacrifice another creature, and target creature gets minus two, minus one until end of turn. So you can actually make your creatures die to draw the cards and also and get other benefit. Kill someone, yeah. Kill something. I mean, negative two, negative one's not going to kill a lot, but yeah. we'll kill some stuff. Uh, interestingly, for those who haven't dealt with the gods much, you usually don't want it to be a creature mm -hmm. because it's way safer when it's not because Path to Exile Swords to Plowshares cannot hit a, an, an enchantment. And because it has indestructible, there's just a limited amount of stuff in Magic's history that exiles enchantments. There are some, but not a ton. And you may not, your opponents might not even be running it. Yeah, so it's just a lot safer when it's not a creature. So if you build around the abilities of the gods, it's one of the reasons they're so good. You really, it's like, it really is like having an enchantment in your command zone, and you generally don't want to hit that devotion mark because then they're vulnerable. I mean, this is quite the enchantment for four mana. Yeah, Anytime it does a, a lot. creature you di control dies, you pay two life to get a card, or you can pay one in the black to sack something and then potentially remove a problematic threat and draw a card off it. And, you know, it's going to be an aristocrat style deck again because it's going to be want to be sacrificing its own creatures to draw cards. Uh, Probably sacrificing its own creatures to effects that aren't its own ability because yeah. it's mana intensive. But it could do that just if you need to get rid of that Oracle Moldiah. In the pinch, Pay yeah. four mana, get rid of it, draw two cards, take four damage. Maybe gain some back because you have Aristocrats. Sounds pretty good, actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Erebos is... It's just got a lot of text on there, and it's an indestructible enchantment for the most part. Also, if someone does point a removal spell at it, you can just sacrifice creatures away until you don't have devotion anymore. That's a good point, too. <laughs> and then it becomes I mean, an enchantment level. If you have the mana and everything, yeah. And yeah, just I be like... That sword of plowshares fizzles now. Yeah, it doesn't because it can't. It's, it's not, not a, a legal target. Yeah, yeah. So you're gonna have the altars, grave pacts, the new Yogmoth, Thran physician. Uh, kind of is similar to right. Wants creatures to die, and you to, draw cards and put negative one counters on stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, Razaketh, I think, is a really good one. Oh yes, because you sack creatures to tutor and then yep. you know draw cards too. Villas, obviously, whenever you lose life, draw that many cards. Anytime a creature dies, you pay two life, draw two cards, and then Erebos also draws you cards. So three cards, three cards per thing dying. Yeah, that seems and good. it's yeah, and the nice thing about Erebos is it does not specify non-token, which makes it very very good and just like the Aristocrats kind of deck. Uh, Smothering Abomination is another good one where every time you sacrifice a creature, you draw a card. So now, anytime a you sack a creature, yeah. you're going to pay two life and draw two cards. Yep. Corvold, again, yep. it's just uh, such a catch-all for any deck <clears throat> that likes sacrificing things. Yeah, so, so. again, you're, yeah, just it would go in the Corvold deck. Tons of cards that Erebos works with. Good job, Erebos. You're the best card so far. Yeah. I mean, it's a tried and true strategy. You know it works. It might not be the best to helm that strategy. Yeah. But that strategy is powerful, even if you just had, like, a vanilla creature at the helm. And... Erebos definitely does synergize with Aristocrats with a lot of its text, so it's going to be, you know, better than, a, obviously, a vanilla 2-2 mm -hmm. or something. But mm -hmm. All right, the next one is Utropia, the twice-favored. I thought this was Utopia, but it has an R in there. Utropia. Utropia. Uh, twice-favored. Uh, one, a green and a blue, so three mana for a 2-2 human wizard, legendary creature, of course, has Constellation, which is a returning mechanic, means whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, that's what Constellation is, you put a 1-1 counter on target creature, that creature gains flying until end of turn. Lift off. So you have to have an enchantment come in and that jumps your creature into the air. But the 1-1, it, it's a counter, so it will stay. 
Yep. It doesn't draw you a card, which I kind of want my Enchantress-esque creatures to do. Yes. But I guess if you are wanting to find more interesting ways of getting damage in in your Enchantress-based deck, I mean, especially if you're playing a lot of auras and stuff, so you're trying to pump something up really big, then this is kind of nice. Yeah, it's it's a it's a deck that wants creatures to attack and wants enchantments. It reminded me of Kestia, and right. I think a lot of the cards in both will be the same. Um it's a little bit disappointing it doesn't have white because white is a big enchantment color. It takes away some of your enchantresses, which are the ones that are going to draw your cards. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it's in Simic hurts it a little bit. Uh, some of the good cards in that deck, I th- or in this deck, I think will be like Nylea's Colossus. Oh, yeah. It also has Constellation. Yeah. So it's a <laughs> seven mana, six, six. But whenever... Nylea's Colossus or another enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, you double the tar- you double target creatures' power and toughness until end of turn. So Just with really the 1-1 one, one counter, <laughs> yeah, they get a flying 1-1 one, one counter, double it. You might be able to, if it's Utropia, you might be able to knock them out with commander damage in one hit. Yeah. You know, if you can play like two enchantments in a turn, double-double. Right. And I mean, this is green, so you're going to be able to ramp up to those bigger spells. Uh, a good target for those enchantment auras, as well as the plus one plus one counter, will be Cold-Eyed Selkie, who's one, and then hybrid Simic Simic. Has Island Walk, and whenever Cold-Eyed Selkie deals combat damage to a player, you may draw that many cards. Ooh. So, very good. Obviously, if you pair it up with Nylea's Colossus, oh, then it goes nuts. Yeah, it's similar to the Rafik decks that run Cold-Eyed Selkie. And Island Walk means, I mean, outside of the Flying and Island Walk, you will pretty much be able to hit whoever you want. I think you probably want to run some of the Bestow um, enchantments. So, Bestow was an enchantment from original Theros that's like an enchantment aura, but then it becomes its creature on its own if the creature that it's attached to or trying to attach to dies for some reason. Yeah, which is pretty neat. Yeah, so Boon is a good one. It uh, is one green green, has flash, and it's a 4-2. But if you cast it for Bestow, which is three green green, then it's an aura enchant creature that gives the creature plus four, plus two, plus five, plus three with Eutropia out and flying. The flash helps you a lot here. Mm-hmm. It can be used as a combat trick. Yeah, out of nowhere. And then yeah. also it can become the creature that you enchant the next thing to if something happens to you know the creature you put it on or whatever yeah it's nice because in general these enchantment auras are such bad two for ones if they get if the creature gets removed but bestow gets around that a little bit which is thank goodness boss's emissary also bestow but the creature uh draws you a card when it deals combat damage it gives plus three plus three so again those type of cards this i think this could be you know people ask us a lot like you know, my play group, my decks are a lot stronger. What do I do? You could build a deck around something like Utropia that's like hard to make Utropia into a seven, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe it's at- an easily counterable strategy, which is remove creatures. Yeah, right? and it's you have to attack, you gotta hit them, but there is some power there. There is some a lot of punching power out of nowhere. So it's not like you can't play the game and won't do stuff, but like the most optimal build of Utropia is probably a seven, like and, and it would be hard to get there. You would have to like you know, loaded up with enchantress type cards with a lot drawing, of the best cards for the deck yeah yeah. yeah yeah you just play all the good stuff in those so, colors yeah there's something to be said for i think commanders like that that like to kind of top out at a certain point and people can take those and play yeah. those in their play group and you know i'm gonna build this to the best of my ability but that even that won't be as strong as the rest of my decks so see if good. i can yeah just beat you in the air sometimes metas evolve to the point where this strategy will do really well mm-hmm. people all of a sudden are like crap i can't block half the time i'm just getting smacked over and over again all right Moving on to our Seder... Seder Lord. Lord. It's it's Gallia of the Endless Dance. There's no success like excess. Red and green for a 2-2 legendary creature Seder with haste. And other Seders you control get plus one, plus one, and have haste. 
And whenever you attack with three or more creatures, you may discard a card at random. If you do, draw two cards. All right. Okay, so two mana, two, two with haste. Boy, there's so many gives satyrs, your other right? satyrs haste. There's a ton, right? Please tell me there's a lot. Okay, in so we history. yeah, we looked on Gatherer for how many satyrs there were. There are 19 okay. total, but two of them aren't in green and red. So there's a 17 you have access to. Now there are some other cards that create satyrs, so there's probably yeah more ways to get satyrs out. And then that wasn't counting Theros Beyond Death. So there's obviously uh, Annex, who we talked about earlier, and there's probably some more. You know, considering they have Gallia in the set, I'm going to assume there's more satyrs. Yes, but still, so. it's slim pickings. Like, none of them are awesome. <laughs> it's like when I tried to build my Minotaur deck. I was like, oh, this is what they have to choose from? There's not very oh, many. Oh, boy. So, you're going to be leaning on your traditional tribal cards. Uh-huh. Cards like Coat of Arms. Harold uh, Horn. Yep. We saw that one to great success when I played my Merfolk deck. Yep. Um, yeah, you got your Mana Echoes, and you have your Metallic Mimics and all that sort of stuff. Cards that either make you a lot of mana or help buff up your other creatures. And they don't care what tribe you're playing. They're like... Just say the tribe out loud, and it'll work for that. Yeah. If it's dragons, this card will work. If it's minotaurs, this card will work. If it's satyrs, this card will work. But I think you're going to have a lot of those cards in this deck, and then a bunch of like bad cards that are the satyrs. Yeah. I think the most interesting part of this is the whenever you attack with three or more creatures. And if you can do so in the red-green token deck, then great. So you've got like War- the Raid Mother or Grand Warlord Radha. So you're, you're incentivized to attack a lot. Um, and then maybe you can draw a bunch of cards off of that. Uh, Grumgully... Uh, there's a card called Ulasht, the Hate Seed, oh, yeah. which is this Hellion Hydra that's a two red green for a zero zero. And it's the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter for each other red creature you control and a plus one plus one counter for each other green creature you control. And you can pay uh, man to remove counters to deal damage or create a, another green sapling creature token. So you make a bunch of tokens that'll give you enough you, stuff you to attack, attack a bunch, with. you draw, you know, it's a way to just sort of keep the engine going. The whole Seder part of it is. Ugh. Here's the thing if a card says when it attacks by itself, do something. Even that can be hard to pull off. Yeah. A card that says you have to attack with three or more creatures? Like... At least they're all going to be worthless one ones if you do it, right? It's like, did Admiral Breckett Brass say something like that? Yeah, it's three or more pirates. Yeah. And it's just like, that's just very rarely actually going to happen. So I think like you're lucky if once per game you attack with three or more creatures. Yeah. And that's even if, if you're playing Gallia in the 99, you even get it out for that moment you know but well, red green is a little bit limited in terms of its card draw so i mean green has plenty yeah that's true yeah uh, we tried we tried <laughs> uh okay the next one is a really really interesting one yeah i, I mean know. were our wishes answered maybe so it's hactos the unscarred this is the boros one red red white white so four mana for a six one Ooh. human warrior legendary of course hactos Attacks each combat if able. When you're a six one, that's not the best. Nope. As Hactos enters the battlefield, choose two, three, or four at random. So roll a d6. One to two is two. Three to four is three. And five to six is four sort of thing. And then Hactos has protection from each converted mana cost other than the chosen number. So if you roll and you randomly decide that it's three, then Hactos has protection from everything besides three CMC stuff. So one, two, four, five, six, seven, all the way up to a billion. So, so it's going to be pretty protected. Yeah. So the attacks each combat is, if able, kind of makes more sense because 
if somebody has a four drop and that's the color and that's the number that Hactos doesn't have protection from, you just don't yeah. attack that person. It almost has protection from everything. Right. It's almost. Close. It's Achilles tendon, because that's what Hactos is based off of, is either two, three, or four. Now, if you can flicker this a bunch and you always have haste enablers, then yeah, this could be a, a Voltron S commander. I mean, protection from each converted mana cost is pretty cool. It's basically Progenitus, right? Minus two, three, or four. Yeah, I think it's a lot different yeah. than Progenitus. <laughs> the protection from everything is different. I mean, yeah, but board wipes still kill it. Yeah. It's a four mana six one that doesn't have haste. Why doesn't it have haste? I don't know. I mean, maybe Hector they just assume that you get it otherwise. I also, know. I wish it was a seven one. At least only let m make me hit somebody three times <laughs> with this thing, which is still a lot. Yeah, it's true. To swing three times. Uh, yeah, it, it's like inter mildly interesting because the protection part, but the rest of it is just boring, boring Boros doing the same thing that it always does. Yeah, attack. But in this case, just be more evasive. I mean, I could see someone doing something interesting with this, but it's not... Like this what? is like, I don't know. Constantly flickering it to always change the number in case someone points a removal spell at it. I don't know. I, I don't know, man. Look, I love Achilles, though. He's one of my favorite Greek heroes. Yeah, I love Brad Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he did work in that movie. I don't know if you guys saw it. He, he worked was, out a lot before the he movie. De sure. He definitely did, yeah. Uh, all right, next up we have a powerful mono-white commander. A lot of chatter going around about mm -hmm. this card, but... Is it good enough, you know, for our our usually blunt or our um, our our recent criticism of Watsi's design for white cards? Hang on, we'll get to that in just a second. But we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right, we are back on the train for the Theros Beyond Death preview cards. Not preview cards, the, the legendary cards. We are previewing them for you now and telling you how we feel about them. We're just viewing them. They've been previewed. Yeah, true. We are preview <laughs> reviewing. reviewing them. Yeah, that's, that's a set review. All right, uh, this next up is the next god in the cycle. It's Heliod Sun Crowned. A lot of discussion about this one online. Two in the white for a 5-5 five, five legendary enchantment creature god. Has indestructible. And as long as your devotion to white is less than five, Heliod isn't a creature. So you're going to see that text on all of the monocolor gods. Whenever you gain life, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature or enchantment you control. So enchantments can get counters now? Uh, relevant because there are a lot of enchantment creatures in this set. Mm -hmm. But you can also just put it on like a Mirari's Wake. And then it just gets a plus one, plus one counter. <laughs> one in the white, another target creature gains lifelink until end of turn. So you can give creatures lifelink. And then whenever you gain life, they get a plus one plus one counter or you can put it on something else 
or you can put it on enchantment as we said when i first saw this card i was like oh, another life gain white card yeah. boring however turns out there's a bunch of combo-tastic stuff you can do with it. Yeah, you can just go infinite with two cards in particular, Walking Ballista as well as Triskelion. Both of them have text that allows you to take a counter off of them, and it deals the damage to a target creature or player. Now, if you gave it Lifelink with Heliod, another two mana, one in the white, or Lifelink in the other way, you get a plus one, plus one counter back. So you can essentially just keep putting the counter on, taking it off, and just ping someone. At yeah, you night. go, I hit Jimmy for one. I gain a life. I put the 1-1 one, one counter on Walking Ballista. I take it off. I hit Jimmy for one. I gain a life. I put the 1-1 one, one counter on Walking Ballista. Do that. To gun down Jimmy. Get rid of Mel. Knock out DJ. Instantly. Actually, I would go after DJ first because clearly I <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, he's my mortal enemy on game nights <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> sure. And then I go the other way around. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so... Walking Melissa and Triskelion both go infinite with this commander. And the interesting thing is you're in mono white. So there's lots of ways to tutor for artifacts. There's, enchantments, yeah. Uh, what do you mean? Enchantments as well. Oh, yeah. And enchantments. Yeah. Sorry. So there's lots of ways to tutor up the two pieces of this combo. Mm -hmm. So there's Enlightened Tutor, which can get you an artifact or enchantment. There's Idyllic Tutor, just reprinted in this set, gets you an enchantment. Yes. Recruiter of the Guard gets you a small creature. Walking Ballista and uh, Triskelion are both zero zeros. zeros in your library. There's Inventor's Fair. There's Academy Rector. So there's a bunch of ways to find the pieces to this combo, which actually makes it pretty powerful, I think. Yeah. I mean... <clears throat> We don't play a lot of combo e decks, and our meta is not about combo, and we generally find combo to be not super satisfactory as a way to win the game. However, you're in white, maybe mono white. Yeah. Like, at a certain point, it's fine, because you just got to do what you got to do to try and win games. So, just saying that, that, that you now have a two-card infinite combo in your command zone with this commander yeah. makes mono white suddenly a bit more appealing. Yeah, although I don't, I still the don't know if it's a deck. I, yeah, exactly. It makes them slightly more powerful, maybe, with this one commander if you build it that way. But does it make it... Interesting? Yeah, because I still... like I hear that and I'm like, well, I don't want to build that deck or play that deck. Because you just end... It, you're it trying just, to end it the same way every single time. It just yeah. doesn't feel very... Like, it's going to be very satisfying yeah. to do I mean, it that way. You're mono white, so you get to gain a lot of life. But if you put this in other decks, you can combine it with, like, Spike Feeder, Persist mechanics uh, help a little bit, too, because you gain some life and you can get rid of the minus one, minus one counters. I think this, in general, is the most interesting to me because you can put a plus one, plus one counter on an enchantment. <laughs> but then what do you do? Yeah, I mean, like, you could... Uh, Opalescence. You'd have to turn, yeah, or Starfield of Nyx, turn your yeah. enchantments into creatures. Dance of the Mance. Sure. Yeah, make sure. a bunch of creatures. I mean, like, that's, like, even then, the end result is, like, then you swing out and kill them with your enchantments. That's kind of fun, but not really. So, the problem with this is just it makes, it's way too linear, and it's doing a mechanic we've seen done to death with white. I think there are a few interesting things you can do. Persist is another thing. Uh, so, like, Kitchen Finks, if you ever had this in Kitchen Finks out yeah. with, like, a sack outfit, that's just infinite life, right? Because the 1-1 one, one counter from Heliod negates the negative 1 counter from Persist. Right, both triggers go on the sack, and, and you bring Kitchen Finks gains you the life to just self-perpetuate that. Right. But there are, like, three cards that are all artifacts and they allow you to turn those one one counters into other advantage and so there's workhorse and crystalline crawler and both of those allow you to turn your one one counters into mana basically you mm -hmm. can remove one one counters and turn it into mana so that those could be good with heliod uh, and then mindless automaton allows you to remove one one counters and draw cards so this is a way to turn life gain into one one counters and then turn those one one counters into the two pillars of the format 
car draw and mana ramp. It's a convoluted way to go about it. But if you're in mono white and Heliod's your commander, you don't have access to Ramper Gross and stuff. So maybe that's a way to supplement your mana rocks and your, you know, white's lack of card draw. Yeah. And kind of get there more. I don't know. It, the only upside to that is that, well, downside one, you always have to have your commander out to do it. Right. Upside is it's very hard to remove your commander. So yeah, chances are it sticks around for a long, long time. And it's a three drop. So yeah. like you're getting it out early and you're going to have that effect for most of the game probably. And you know, the artifacts don't add to devotion either. So you're not making it more vulnerable that way. Yeah. I, I mean, know. I still like, don't think that makes it great, but it, it it's something. It makes it more interesting. It Again, I just wish lifelink wasn't such a constant thing in white. I, I mean... Just life gain based 1-1 one, one counters. It doesn't feel super exciting as far as like feather did how feather was like ooh, this is a totally new thing that makes a bunch of cards playable yeah and excites me to build the deck heliod it's like yeah there's some stuff you can do but it doesn't exactly make you excited yeah yeah not too excited all right all right this next card though i think is a bit more exciting it's one red and green for clothis god of destiny four five. The only multicolored god right yeah i think so the other ones are titans yeah or giants, sorry. They don't have titans, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a 4-5 for one red and green. Indestructible, uh, as long as your devotion to red and green is less than 7. So it's up to 7 because it's a multicolored god. Clothis isn't a creature. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a land card, you add red or green mana. Otherwise, you gain 2 life, and Clothis deals 2 damage to each opponent. Such a weird... <laughs> Red-green so graveyard weird. hate. So, it's like a weird... Okay, I just want to go over it again because it's... At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, you exile a card from a graveyard. It can be your graveyard, it can be anybody's. So you choose a card, you say, that card's exiled. If it's a land, you get a mana. Okay, so you ramp a little bit. Then. Yeah, you get either red or green. If it's not a land, you gain two life, and then all your opponents take two damage. From Clothis. So. From Clothis, if that matters. It's not combat damage, so it's not commander damage. Yeah. Uh, a, a rules note. Eli Schifrin, who's the rules manager at Wizards of the Coast, um, said this on Twitter and verified with us before we played Game Nights because this de is one of the decks being played mm -hmm. on that episode. Um, if there is no cards in graveyards, there's no target. The ability won't even go on the stack, so nothing will happen. So if there's not a target, you don't get any of the things. Yeah. So there has to be something in graveyards, which means when you play this on turn three, a lot of times there's not going to be. I mean, maybe somebody to fetch land or something, but in yeah. general, there's plenty of games where there's just nothing in graveyards early. Later on in the game, it's going to be a given that you're going to get something, but a lot of times there's no land. It's just weird that it's a red-green graveyard hate card. Like, it can really pick out things from the graveyard. I guess green does it with, like, scavenging, scavenging and stuff. stuff. I mean, you can fuel this yourself. So you would play all the fetch lands. Yep. So you're making sure that... Because I, I believe you want it to be ramp early on and then switch over to damage later. Yeah, I think you need to be filling up your graveyard the most consistently for your own ramp. So cards like Ayula's Influence, which lets you drop lands for bears. Uh, Seismic Assault lets you discard lands and it deals damage. Uh, and then Living Twister, I've been looking for a place to put this in the deck. I think this is the perfect deck for uh, card for Clothis, which is a red, red, green, 2-5. And you can pay one in a red to discard the land card, deals two damage to any target. And you can pay green to return a tap land you control to its owner's hand. So it's, you know, it's kind of, kind of fun there. Yeah, Harrow is a card that lets you sacrifice a land and then yep. put more into play. Even your Rampant Gross and Kudama's Reaches won't put lands in the graveyard, but they'll put a card there. Yeah. At least you can do the damage. Yeah, and then the damage side of things, uh, a card that we're actually mentioning a lot in this set review later on, it's Torbrin, Thane of Redfell. This card just gets better and better every time I look at it. It's four mana, one red, red, red for a 2-4, and if a red source you control would deal damage to an opponent or a permanent, a permanent controls, it deals that much plus two damage instead. 
So now Clothis is dealing four damage. To each opponent? That's wow. Not, that's actually a lot and going to add up fairly quickly. Yeah. Um, Dictate of the Twin Gods, Furnace of Wrath are damage doublers. Yep. They'll also work against you, so be careful. Um, or does Furnace? At least Dictate does. Oh, yeah, it does. It's, yeah. it's universal. So is both. Symmetrical, yeah. Uh, one of your favorites, Neheb the Eternal, which basically you gain mana equal to the damage that your opponents have taken that yeah. turn. So Clothis kind of adds two to that. So that's giving you two mana instead of one, I guess. Yeah, all right. Uh, I think you could put this in a deck that's all about, like... Lands? Well, no, no, all about, like, little increments of damage. You put, like, Ankh of Mishras, and you put oh, like, that I kind see. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of, like, try and all these little two damage here, two damage there, some damage doublers, get everybody kind of low. Remember, Clothis, you gain two life. Right. So you're when, going the opposite direction. So maybe you finish everybody off with like an earthquake or something that deals damage to everybody, but you're just ahead because they've been taking four damage when you've right. been gaining two and the gap's just gotten like, you know, seven or eight life points, even though you're taking from Ankh of Mishras and everything too. That's kind of interesting. Um, I could see you putting this in a Lord Windgrace deck just yeah. to help out with those lands you're discarding potentially. Um, Omnath Locus of the Royal also loves lands and all that stuff, especially fetch lands. Um, yeah, you know, Corvold works with this, obviously. So, I mean, the card is... It's weird. It's just a really strange card. But I could see this being a good utility player in a lot of decks. Also, just like a strong creature enchantment. It, it does a lot. And if you're caring about damage or you want another way to ramp, maybe in your, your meta is super fetch land heavy. So Clothis will always help out there. I don't know. Yeah, weird card. All right, the next one. Uh, I like this one a lot. <clears throat> it's Croxa? Croxa. Croxa. Who knows? Titan of Death's Hunger. It's a black and a red for a 6-6 six, six legendary creature, Elder Giant, because Titan is not a subtype, evidently. Uh, when Croxa enters, when, sorry, when Croxa enters the battlefield, <laughs> sacrifice it unless it escaped. We'll get to that in a minute. Whenever Croxa enters the battlefield or attacks, each opponent discards a card. Then each opponent who didn't discard a non-land card this way loses three life. Who didn't discard a non-land card this way. So if so, you discard a land, you get, you lose three life. Right. Okay, and then it has an escape cost of black, black, red, red, which means, and exile five other cards from your graveyard. So what this means is you may cast this card from your graveyard for its escape cost. So if you if this is your commander, but you let it die and go to your graveyard, at any time that you could normally cast this spell, you, play, you pay black, black, red, red, and exile five other cards from your graveyard, and then you put it back out. And this is a way to bypass commander tax because... It'll always cost four mana plus those five cards. Right. So if you are putting a lot of cards in your own graveyard, you can cast this over and over. And remember, whenever it enters the battlefield, your opponents discard a card and potentially lose some life. And that's even if you the first time you cast it from your, from your command zone, which means it will not have escaped. You'll immediately sacrifice it. Yeah. But if you put it in your... Uh, graveyard, they're still going to discard the card and now it's sitting in your graveyard waiting to be escaped later. Or you could cast it, sacrifice it, put it back in your command zone and it'll cost four the next time, which is the same as if it would escape anyway. Yeah, actually, I think that's what you would do the first time it dies. Although... Because two black and a red is, I think, easier than black, black, red, red and five cards. The only thing I would say is if you escape it, it's going to stick around. So maybe yes, the second true. time if you want the 6-6. Six, six. Um, I think the escape mechanic reads pretty bad, but actually plays pretty well. Yep, because this is a trigger that happens when these cards enter the battlefield, which means you can respond to it, and it's going to exist on the battlefield for that temporary moment before the trigger resolves. So there are things that you can do in the meantime. Yeah, so you can do things like Altar of Dementia, sack it real quick, mm -hmm. mill yourself for six cards. That's the cards you're going to use now to escape it yeah. back into play. You can Erratic Portal it. 
which is make it bounce back to your hand. Right. So you can cast it again for two mana, make everybody discard another card. Because remember, the enter the battlefield trigger will still go on the stack. Yeah, this is an interesting card for me because I would rather find ways to just make people discard things. Like, that's interesting to me. If you play Chainer, Nightmare Adept, you can discard a card and you can cast a creature card from your graveyard. So it still costs black and red, but you get the effect that everyone discards a card except for you and they potentially might lose life so it's like one of those things i think would just like chip away at people if that's where you're going for yeah that's what i think you're going to want to do is this is a discard deck but the altar of dementia and the iraq portal still work towards that same end because you're just replaying croaksa over and over again yeah you can be like cedrus the traitor king and give this unearth you know so it's just like there's lots of interesting things to do sir conrad's going to ping people for more and more life ashnod's altar phyrexian altars are good with the escape cards because again before you sacrifice it to the escape mechanic you sacrifice it and gain the mana back so if you have ashnod's out play this for black and a red sack it get the two mana back it's almost like you just made everybody discard a card for yep. free as far as like because it's in your command zone and then by the time the escape trigger happens it's already dead and you put it wherever you want to obviously you're going to put the normal waste not uh type cards that care about your opponents discarding things guess grimoire uh yeah pain magnification because people are taking damage in increments of three unless they discard lands or unless they don't discard really, lands yeah actually um, pain magnification works really well with Kroxa. and then one of the best cards i think in for any escape card that's in your command zone is mirage mirror right. so remember i think it's easy to overlook Whenever Kroxa enters the battlefield or attacks, you get the trigger of discarding the card. So the thing is, you just have to swing with Kroxa to get that, right? So mm-hmm. if you have Mirage Mirror out, play Kroxa from your command zone. Now you're going to have to sacrifice it because you didn't pay its escape cost. In response to that trigger, turn your Mirage Mirror into Kroxa. Sacrifice this Kroxa because of the legendary rule. Mm-hmm. Put it into your command zone. Mirage Mirror is already out. It doesn't care if it's escaped or not. It's already yeah. on the battlefield. But now you attack with it, get the trigger. That's a really cool interaction. Also, it's going to hit him for six probably. So you get double trigger right there for four mana. That's a lot. Four mana, everybody discards two cards. And you then you can put pretend- them super far behind. You can do this as early as turn three probably. And then you can potentially do it again next turn by paying the escape cost. Yeah. You know, that, that could be four cards over two turns. That could just knock some decks completely out of the game. Like I, either I can't hit my land drops now or I can't cast the spells that I kept. Yeah. And, or I have lands, but I don't have any spells left. This is actually really <clears> interesting <throat> because you can do it so early because it's way more damaging to make people discard the majority of their hand in the first four turns than yep. it is later because then they'll have access to more mana. They could play an X spell off the top of their deck for more value. But this way you're like knocking, it's like getting a gut punch in really early really knocking early. the wind out of someone you can strionic resonator double that trigger i i do i think croxa is probably underrated it's hard to know what it's rated because <laughs> we're doing this before yeah. people know about all the cards but i i think it's going to be underrated and i think this will actually be a pretty cool deck i this also is the one i wanted to build around because my yeah, other me too. yeah the other discard deck i have is that minotaur one <laughs> and it sucks and this is like reads so much better in every way yeah so yeah this is me too i thought this is, would be a, actually more powerful than it reads type of deck and a, and a pretty cool one to build also, I think the escape mechanic is a pretty cool flavor. You know, mm-hmm. the anything with escape is basically one of the titans 
that uh, from Greek mythology that uh, yeah got put in Tartarus and eventually had to escape back out the the fathers or the, yeah. the parents of the gods the, the ones gods, that created yeah. the gods yeah so cool cool card very very cool all right moving on now we have uh, this one may be a bit of a splash online because it's gonna hose a standard deck and a pioneer one too it's it's Kunoros Hound of Athreos bark bark one black and a white for a three three legendary creature hound it's a good dog creature cards in graveyards can't enter the battlefield. And players can't cast spells from graveyards. So this is a hate dog, not a hate bear, <laughs> but a hate dog. It's uh, going to hose a lot of commander decks too, as far as that's just two things that a lot of commander decks want yeah. to do. It turns off right? the escape mechanic, right? It's so flavorful because it guards the underworld. Yep. So, so the underworld like, is the graveyard, right? So you can't leave the creature cards, can't enter the battlefield from the graveyard. Yeah, spells from there. It's like, yeah. nope, you're not getting in here yeah, or yeah. out of here. This dog is barking and stopping the way. So I don't think it's a great commander because it doesn't give you a clear path to build around. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be good as a hate bear style card. Hate dogs. Sorry. Yeah. In, uh, <laughs> in other decks says if you're not playing around in your graveyard at all this is a good card to put in your deck to just be like you're not either yeah i mean like i do have an anafenza the foremost deck that stops a lot of graveyard shenanigans too and it's just my commander as an enchantment i always have access to right because so that's a token deck for you yeah it's like a catch-all if i see a deck that this needs to be played against great i always have access to it i don't need to tutor up so you might do that with a kenoros type deck but black and white does have a lot of really good options for fun commanders but i do love the flavor on this yeah yeah i think it's probably going in the decks few decks built around it but i wish they made the dog a little cuter but that's just me it's got to guard their underworld it can't be I cute know. i mean would you say no to like a really adorable puppy if it was like no you can't leave three heads like please don't leave you actually stay because you just want to pet it <laughs> you're like all right fine <laughs> all right so the next one is the green god nylea keen-eyed three and a green for a five six legendary enchantment god indestructible as long as your devotion to green is less than five nylea isn't a creature it says creature spells you cast cost one generic less to cast okay so there's some ramp for you in a creature-heavy deck, obviously. And then you can pay two in a green and reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, put it into your hand. Otherwise, you may put it into your graveyard. Which is crazy because you can also put things into your graveyard. Yeah, it's kind of like Surveil, the mechanic where you can d uh, dunk stuff into your graveyard. Otherwise, you're drawing it if it's a creature card. Uh, I misread slightly. If it's a creature card, put it into your hand. Yeah. So if it's a creature card, you can't choose to put it into your graveyard. You just draw it, it yeah. yeah. Um, still... Just the mana reduction and the ability are going to be make it playable, make it like a decent card. Now, the rate's not great. Two and a green, I'm not sure I really want to do that. No, but with infinite mana, you do draw or put your entire library. All of your creatures, all your, your creatures hands. in your hand and all your rest of your deck into your graveyard. graveyard. Yeah, that's true. So a lot of times these cards say put them on the bottom of your library in any order. But this time you actually can turn through your entire library with a card like this. So one of those decks that wants to let lab man win and happens to have green also yeah. could run this because most of them are trying to get infinite mana. And if they have blue, you can play a training ground type thing in there too. That's true. It doesn't require tapping. So you can do that as many times as you want. Um, I think it's obviously good with creatures that like artifact creatures mm -hmm. that are always going to reduce the cost in some way. Yeah, so you have like your cloud keys and your semblance anvils that will make things cost less to it's cast. Kind of, yeah, it's kind of like redundancy for her ability. Yeah, uh, the Great Henge. Just good in all decks. In any green deck, but this one <laughs> as well, you know, because yep. it's a creature-based deck and it's helping to ramp you. Um, it's good with escape, you know, because you mill the cards into your library sure. or your graveyard. So it's fun, fun. Yeah, I, it's kind of generically, you know, 
middling powerful, I think. Yeah. And, the, and if you're going to create infinite mana, then it, all of a sudden it, it can be crazy. I think that Ilya is definitely the most forgettable of the gods so far. Um, Not because it's bad, just because the... Yeah, the power level is just right there in the middle, where it doesn't excite us too much, it doesn't dismay us at all. It's just not that interesting, too. It's just like, hey, are you playing creatures? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, there is combo potential, obviously, like you said, with the sort of draw your entire deck if you have infinite mana. But again, that's not very exciting because a lot of cards do that. A lot of people were wondering why this card does not have reach as she is clearly floating. And she has a bow and arrow. Yeah, uh, ground creatures only. Pelucranos Unchained is our next legendary. Pelucranos is back and scarier than ever. Two black and a green for a 0-0 legendary creature, Zombie Hydra. It has escape on it, but this is the only escape card that I've read that doesn't force you to sacrifice someone that enters the battlefield. So instead, Pelucranos enters the battlefield with six plus one plus one counters on it. And it escapes with 12 plus one plus one counters on it instead. So this is a four mana six six. If damage would be dealt to Pelucranos while it has a plus one plus one counter on it, prevent that damage and remove that many plus one plus one counters on it. One, a black and a green. Pelucranos fights another creature. Uh -huh. And it can escape for four black and a green and exiling six cards from your graveyard. This card, I think, is actually really pushed. I mean, definitely for standard and stuff, it's very strong. It's removal, repeatable. Also, the card itself is recurrable. Yeah, and it's a four mana 6-6. Six, six, so even if it doesn't get dealt damage, it's just this massive thing. Yeah, for commander it's a little bit mana intensive to actually use the ability yeah three, three mana is a lot and you're probably only gonna be able to kill like one thing if that and then it'll be like a three three after that because it took mm -hmm. damage and then it might be not be able to take down anything huge but then you can maybe get it killed escape it now it's a 12 12 and it can kill some more stuff a lot of hoops to jump jump through for like what you're getting so i don't know that that really has a home in our format threat of activation though is pretty significant yeah here. true you got your two twos running around be like well three mana i will be able to get rid of it yeah, but three mana is just so much to do it. It's, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah, at least you get to do it a bunch. Yeah. That's a nice thing. Um, you're going to play this with your plus one, plus one counter themes. You got your hardened scales, your doubling seasons types effects. Uh, now, if you have like a Mage Bane armor on this, okay. you don't take combat damage. And so Pelucanos can attack freely and you won't lose the stuff, the counters from it. But you will still lose it from the fight effect. Um, one card that people... Wait, you, you don't take non-combat damage, right? Oh, yeah. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, so this non-combat damage. I'm sorry. So it's the opposite of what I just said. So Mage Bane protects the fight effect from yeah. Pelucranos, which I think is the important part. That's actually pretty neat. Yeah. Um, Greater good. Yeah. It's just super good with any escape creature that has um, green in it because... Well, I'll read greater good. Yeah. Two green green for an enchantment. You sacrifice a creature. Draw cards equal to sacrifice creature's power, then discard three cards. So you could sack Pelucranos, draw six cards, put three then you discard three cards so you're helping power up its yeah. escape mechanic for when you replay it and then can do that again and also you can do it at instant speed so if it's sitting around and somebody goes to remove it or board wipes i'll just draw 12 that's fine yeah the nice thing about it, again four mana six six so it's great for greater good because you get a low mana cost for a high power um gargos vicious watcher is our hydra king uh it can make your hydra spells cost four less to cast yeah pelucranos is a zombie hydra it would count for the escape mechanic too because you are casting the card from your graveyard right right um and then vigor is really interesting so three green 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 for an elemental incarnation it's a six six and it has this text on it if damage would be dealt to another creature you control prevent that damage put a plus one plus one counter on that creature for each one damage prevented this way now both this and the text on pelucranos is a replacement text and i 
I found out online that if you have both of these out, you get to choose which replacement text becomes the permanent replacement text. So your vigor is going to override Pelucanosis. And so that now anytime damage is dealt to it in a fight or whatever, you actually put that many plus one plus one counters on it instead of taking them away. So your Pelucanos just becomes an absolute monster. Yeah, Vigor is is nuts. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty good Very one. Very nuts. And then if you have like a Gerard Golgari Lich Lord deck, then Pelucanos is a great creature to to sacrifice and make everyone lose a lot of uh, life, which is fun. Yeah. Yeah. Hydra it's, Tribal. It's a strong card. I don't think you're probably building a deck around it. Uh, pretty good with Marin too. Yeah. Clan Nel Toth. Gave, because it was plus some, plus some counters. All that good stuff. All right. The next card is... I'm excited for this one the mono red god and was the best mono colored god last time right for commander for sure it's definitely the most played i think and then well we'll see what you think about this one it's pretty good perforos bronze blooded four to red five mana for a seven six enchantment creature god has indestructible as long as your devotion to red is less than five it's not a creature it says other creatures you control have haste hey pretty good and then you pay two in a red, and you may put a red creature card or an artifact creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. So it's sneak attack on a commander. However, there are some slight restrictions. So it has to be a red creature card or artifact creature card. So that doesn't count like Eldrazi because they're not artifacts. They're just colorless. colorless. It doesn't give the creature haste, but... No. Perforos says all your creatures have haste. This is worse, though, because if you activate this, drop something scary onto the battlefield, and they remove Perforos, that creature doesn't have haste, but you'll still have to sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. Especially if that creature gives Perforos devotion as well. Yeah. <laughs> it becomes a creature. So that, and it costs three mana, too. So this per Sneak Attack just costs one red. So. Yeah. Sneak Attack's way better, but can't be in your command zone. Um, this is a very powerful ability, though. Sneak Attack is among the more powerful cards in the history of Magic as far as what it does. And just having access to a Sneak Attack in your command zone at all times crazy. that's hard to remove as well is really crazy talk um, about how scary this will be to play against yeah you have no idea what's coming down blightsteel colossus is i think the most scary option you can really throw down like let's say they ramp this out and put it out on turn four and you don't have a blocker mm -hmm. and they're gonna untap like you could just be dead yeah like every time like you like you don't know maybe you're not and it's uh, hard it's hard as heck to get rid of yeah, because, again, they're indestructible enchantments if it's not devoted, which you don't want to devote these cards. You don't want them to be creatures. I think the best card in the deck by far will be Sundial of the Infinite, yeah. which you pay one and you tap... Sorry, it's a two-man artifact. You pay one and tap it, and you end the turn. So you can only activate this ability during your turn. And what that means is you exile all spells and abilities from the stack, discard down to your maximum hand size, damage wears off your cr creatures and stuff, and this turn and until end of turn effects end. This means that if you sneak attack, we're going to call it sneak attacking out stuff. Mm -hmm. If you use Perforos's ability to cheat something into play, Sundial of the Infinite means that you don't have to sacrifice it. It's going to stay there. So you just got it out. You Quicksilver emulated it out for three mana, basically. Yeah, and even if someone points removal at it, Sundial of the Infinite, it allows you to end the turn and then you exile the spells from the stack. So you can actually, it's kind of like a protection thing on your turn too. Let's say you go to combat, you swing, and they're like, okay, I, I got to get rid of this. And you're like, okay, that. Sundial. Yeah. That counters the removal spell and keeps your creature around yeah pretty fun yeah uh painter servant obviously is a card that would work in this deck too if you were like building a sneak attack mono red deck with sneak attack and like the titans and a ton of ramp then a painter servant allows you to make those titans also into red cards 
Yeah, it could make your Eldrazi into red cards uh, if you wanted to have a few of them in there. Yeah. It's a, it's dangerous because you don't want Perforos to not be able to cast stuff if you don't have Painter Servant. So. Yeah, you never want to rely... Like putting Perforos in a multicolored deck and relying on Painter Servant to make it work. It's just not where you want to be. Uh, Conjurer's Closet also is going to exile those cards uh, before they get uh, sacrificed to the Perforos ability. Yeah, Conjurer's Closet, at the beginning of your end step, you exile a creature you control and then return it to the battlefield under your control. So... This, what would happen is at the beginning of your end step, Perforos would say, hey, you got to sacrifice that card because it's the beginning of the next end step. Conjurer's Closet, you could just stack it so that that happens first, exile it out, comes back, and the thing that came back doesn't have Perforos' little claws on it, so you just keep it forever. Yeah. Other good cards to put out there, we just list a bunch of them. Combat Celebrant, you can exert it, and it gives you an extra combat step. Fury of the Horde is a sorcery that just gives you a lot more attacking. So you just, And uh, the new card, Terror of Mount Villas, is this dragon that uh, when there is a battlefield creatures you control, gain double strike until end of turn. <laughs> Keep in mind, you can activate Perforos' ability a bunch of times. So yeah, that's the thing I think people don't think about. You can, if you have nine mana, you put three things out yeah. and swing with them right now, and they could all be like nine mana things if you have that in your hand and because it's all activated abilities a card like iron crag feet actually looks decent in this deck which is a four mana sorcery that adds seven red mana so because you're not or casting spells you're just using perforos's ability mana geyser i think is probably the one you really want that's yeah definitely the big one. Oh, this uh, one's mean <laughs> bearer of the heavens when it dies destroy all permanents at the beginning of the next end step so your commander sticks around and you just have to kind of get back up to three mana again to keep using this ability who knows who knows you can also activate the sneak attack part uh to get the enter the battlefield effect on your creatures for mm -hmm. just three mana. So Goto Bandit Warlord's a good one, finds an equipment and puts it onto the battlefield. Also, Goto can give you extra combat phases. Uh, yeah, that's a ton of value for three mana. Yeah, so Goto's really, really good. Scourge of the Throne, extra combat steps out of nowhere. Extra combat steps so powerful with sneak attack, because like I said, if you go Scourge, something else big, I'm going to attack with both those things twice. That could That's usually going to mean somebody's dead. Yeah, or so close to dead that they are ineffective and can't really commit to the board uh, in different ways then. Uh, there's stuff like Savage Beating that's more extra attack steps. Oh, this is a good one. Yeah, Ilharg, the Raised Boar, kind of best friends with Godo. Or I mean Perforos, they kind of do the same thing. When Ilharg attacks, you can put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. So you use Perforos, sneak attack this guy out. He attacks, he puts something else onto the battlefield. And then you could even sacrifice Ilharger not to feel, feel too bad about it because yeah. it has a, the Clause of the Gods from the last set, which is when Ilharg dies or is put into exile from the battlefield, you may put it into its owner's library third from the top. So you're going to draw it again and do that thing again. So Ilharg gets you maybe a couple of things out into play. Yeah, and Ilharg's ability doesn't sacrifice the creature that it puts out. So unlike Perforos's thing, Ilharg is going to be able to get your really valuable maybe double attacker out. And then a couple turns from now, if you can draw to it faster, who knows? Yeah, because it bounces it back to your hand. Yeah. Imagine Scourge of the Throne. So you go Ilharg, attack, put Scourge of the Throne out. Bop, bop. Oh, or Scourge of the Throne or when you attack trigger. See, this is where it gets complicated. Oh, yeah, when it attacks for the first uh, time turn. All yeah. right, so it's not going to work with Scourge of the Throne, but you get what I'm saying. You yeah, can do some just cool stuff. tons of cards, like the Terror of Mount Velas, I'm telling you. Just get everyone double strike. A cool one game. is Assault Suit. So that's a four-mana equipment. Equipped creature has plus two, plus two, haste, and can't attack you or a Planeswalker you control, and can't be sacrificed. Aha! Uh -huh. So at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, you may have that player gain control of equipped creature until end of turn if you do untap it. And it's three to equip. So you could cheat something big out and play like a Blightsteel or something, swing with it, put a salt suit on it so you don't have to sacrifice it to Perforos. And then you don't even have to give it to somebody, but you can. Yeah. You'd be like, hey, if I give you this, are you going to take care of Mel over there? And, and if you say like, yes, then here you go. Have yeah, it. yeah, have fun. <laughs> go nuts. 
All right, Blightsteel Claws is obviously the one you want to put out with that. <laughs> Hellkite Tyrant's also a really good one. Yeah, Hellkite Tyrant. out of nowhere really steal great. all your artifacts. Yeah. And then you give it to them with Assault Suit, being like, well, <laughs> you know. Well, they can't attack you, so they can't steal the artifacts yeah, back. Exactly. <laughs> They're all mine. All right, the next card is... Renata, called to the hunt. This is two green green for a legendary enchantment creature. Demigod, a star three. Renata's power is equal to your devotion to green. So it comes out as a 2-3 by itself. Each other creature you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on it. Well, I will say that white's sticking to life gain and green is sticking to plus one, plus one counters in this set. Yeah, not very exciting, but does work with like persist creatures. Mm -hmm. So if you have a sacrifice outlet and a persist creatures are creatures that come back when they die if they don't have a negative one counter on them. And then if they do come back, they get the negative one, negative one counter. So they can basically... The design is they're supposed to die once, come back, die again, and be done with it. But because Renata says creatures ETB with a plus one counter, they're gonna the persist is gonna cancel out the negative one and plus one counters. So they'll just keep coming back over and over. So and if you, you have, have a stack, stack outlet, outlet, yeah, woo. you can just do it over and over. So Woodfall Primus is kind of the classic one of these, which is a six six creature for eight mana, five green green. When it enters the battlefield, destroy target non creature permanent. And it has persist. So if you ever get this out, you just blow up everybody's everything that's not a creature, including lands. Yeah. Mm, Single-handedly wins you the game most of the time. And uh, makes everyone really, really not like you. <laughs> if there's a way to make people not like you, this might be it It's right blow here. up all their lands. Yeah. I mean, that's just so rude. It's pretty boring overall, though. This is stuff we could do. Uh, oh, this is a cool one, I guess. Yeah. Cauldron of Souls. You can choose any number of creatures that get persist. So then you give them all persist. You sack them all. And then, boom, they come back to the battlefield. You get more, you know, ETB effects. Yep. Yeah, fun stuff. Grumgully is a is a commander. You might put this card in that gives creatures plus one plus one counter. It's just more redundancy for that effect. The Inspiring Call is an instant that draws you a card for each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it. And again, indestructible. Same with uh, Armorcraft Judge, similar creature that draws you those cards. Rishkar gives all those creatures with plus one plus one counters the ability to tap for green. So the list goes on. This has all been done before. Yeah, many, plus one plus one counters. Yeah. It's nothing super de duper exciting, but it works. All right, the next one is Siona, Captain of the Pileus. It's a one green white for a 2-2, human soldier, legendary. When Siona enters the battlefield, look at the top seven cards of your library. You may reveal an aura card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Whenever an aura you control becomes attached to a creature you control, you create a 1-1 white human creature soldier token. So... Anytime an aura attaches to one of your creatures, you get a 1-1. One, one. Yay! You can even attach an aura to the token to get a 1-1 one, one token. Right. It doesn't say non-token. Uh, and Sayana will draw you those auras. This is kind of a nombo with Bastille cards because in your deck, they are creatures. But when, when you play them, they're auras, so you don't get to actually draw them with her Enter the be about, uh, Battlefield ability, but you do get the plus one, plus one counter if you cast it as an aura. It's kind of weird. It's weird. Um, a card that comes to mind is flicker form so it's one in white for an enchant creature aura and it has the ability pay two and two white you exile enchanted creature and all auras attached to it at the beginning of the next end step you return that uh, card to the battlefield under its owner's control if you do you also return the other cards exiled this way the auras that were attached to it to the battlefield under their owner's control attached to that creature so you flicker it out, flicker it back in, get the one ones for all the auras that were attached to it. And it also, 
Yeah. If you could get like three or four auras attached to that creature and do this, you might be able to like make a bunch of one ones really fast and also protects it. Like if they go like, well, yeah. that, I don't like that setup. Go to kill it. Well, I flicker it. Yeah. Or they kill it before you even attach flicker form to it. Yeah. Well, yeah. If, they, if you go attach flicker form and they kill in response, you're in big trouble. It's perfect. Uh, here's the deck that wants to go wide with tokens, but also be Voltron. Siona, Captain of the Pileas. Uh, Rancor is a really good enchantment with this because Rancor keeps coming back to your hand whenever it's put into the graveyard from the battlefield. So you get to get the 1 1 counter or the 1 1 white human soldier creature token uh, triggers a lot. Yeah, Rancor to... costs one green mana, so if you have Phyrexian Altar out, mm -hmm. you can sack the creature that Rancor is attached to to get, get the green mana. Rancor comes back to your hand, cast it on you know one of the other tokens, creates a token, sack the token for the green mana, Rancor comes back to hand. So you can have infinite creatures entering the battlefield, which yeah. generally, if you get that set up, you can figure out a way to win the game with kind it. Kind of like Storm Off, I guess. And yeah. you cast a bunch of things a bunch of times. There's a card that's Kitsune Mystic, which is a three white Fox Wizard 2-3. And it's one of those cards that flips upside down at the beginning of the end step. If it has two or more auras on it, you flip it and it becomes Autumn Tail, Kitsune Sage, that can pay one mana to attach target aura from one creature to another creature. Well, yeah, so for one mana, you create one ones. And that, yeah, that with Astronaut's Altar will automatically go infinite, right? Move them around, yeah. make the tokens, the two mana pays for the one mana so right. you're always up one mana move it um sack a thing get yeah to, yeah keep going uh there's bramble elemental which is similar to siona which is a four 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 five mana three green green whenever an aura becomes attached to bramble elemental you create two one one green sapling creature tokens so this is a redundancy for that effect yeah you have to target the bramble elemental not any of your creatures but still this is just like one of those cards that we've talked about where it's not that exciting and it's not that boring but it's kind of just utility in a very sort of narrow instance so i don't expect this card to be particularly you can build a token deck around this and it'll be using cards that token decks don't normally use but it'll yeah. probably play in a similar manner which is like i try and create a lot big board and then pump all that stuff and attack and kill you one card i do really like is kenrith's transformation which is one in the green for the Enchantment aura, and when it enters the battlefield, you draw a card. So it cycles itself, which is mm -hmm. great. And it turns a creature to lose all abilities into a green elk with base power toughness 3 3. So it's good green removal for something that's like a crazy card that has a lot of abilities on it. Yep. The only thing I will say is that I wish Siona said whenever an aura you control becomes attached to a creature. A creature, yeah. But it says a creature you control. So you have to attach it to your stuff. Because otherwise, you could, you know, use some of the pacifism types of effects. And I think it would be way better if your removal turned into one ones. Yeah, big whoop. Yeah. But you do get Winds of Wrath. It's a board wipe that kills all creatures that aren't enchanted. So. So go you got that going for you, us. which is nice. All right. Terranika, a crow and veteran. It's one white white for a 3 3 human soldier. I'm already bored. It's got Vigilance. I'm still bored. Whenever Terranika attacks, untap another target creature you control. As soon as you said whenever Terranika attacks, I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, crap. It's true. Hey, it's Vigilance, so it can block Hey, it's back, a right? white or red card that cares about attacking. But look, you untap that creature, and then until end of turn, that creature has base power and toughness 4-4 four, four, and gains indestructible, so you can attack with two things, and you give that thing indestructible, and, and it makes it a 4-4, four, four, yeah. So it kind of turns things into Gideon. Hmm. I, I thought Boros Reckoner, which deals damage yeah. to stuff equal to the amount of damage it's taken. It's a generally a card you want to give indestructible. Because remember, Terranika will give that thing indestructible until uh, end of turn? Yeah, gains indestructible. Until end of turn, yeah. So you could then do other stuff to Boros Reckoner, like, you know, deal a damage somehow. I don't know. I'm, Stop I'm hitting yourself, deck, right? I'm reaching for stuff here. Uh, 
there are good cards that are tap abilities that yeah. you're good with. That's probably so. the most interesting way to use Terranika, which is like you don't care about the 4-4 and the indestructible part. You're more using it to untap stuff. Mm-hmm. So Intrepid Heroes, 2 in the white for a human soldier. You can tap it to destroy target creature with power 4 or greater. You can do that twice in the turn. Which is pretty powerful. You can also uh, target itself now that it's a 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> <laughs> but it's indestructible. Uh Mother of runes. Ah, uh, yes. And the giver of runes. <laughs> Did you just put this in there just because you wanted me to say the Scottish thing? Yeah, that's why I definitely tried to make say I talked about the card before, right? <laughs> yeah. Mother of runes. Runes. So one white mana for a human cleric, one, one, but you can tap it and target creature you control gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn. So you can do that twice. You can also give it to Terranika in, in, in case free someone attack. blocks it. Yeah, I get a little free attack out yeah. of it. Uh, this is an underrated card, Witch Hunter. Yeah, I've never seen this before. Two white, white for a human cleric. It's a one, one. You can tap it and it deals one damage to target player or planes walker or pinger or you pay one white white yeah this is the most unwhite card ever <laughs> you pay one white white tap the witch hunter and return target creature and opponent controls to its owner's hand so oh. unsummon stuff which is a powerful ability uh makes it hard like threat of activation is big on witch hunter and even better in mono white when you just don't really do stuff like this <laughs> you don't really do anything about attack yeah exactly all right the next card is the mono blue god thassa is back thassa deep dwelling three and a blue for a six five enchantment creature god indestructible has the devotion thing at the beginning of your end step exile up to one other creature uh, sorry one other target creature you control okay then return that card to the battlefield under your control so conjurer's closet yeah on a on a creature conjurer's closet on a commander for four mana instead of five and also has a secondary ability, which is you pay three and a blue and then tap another target creature. Cool. Okay. This card has potential. I think a lot, a lot of potential here. This it's is the Yarrick of the set, I would say, mm-hmm. in that it's going to be difficult to build a Thassa deck that, it, you know, doesn't do stuff. Because all you got to do is play creatures that have ETBs. Yeah. If you do that, Thassa is going to do the rest. You're going to get value. Now, how good those creatures are, how good your deck building is will determine where on the scale it is. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to build a Thassa deck you know that's lower than a five probably or a six true um yeah you want cards that also want to be tapped so verity circle is an enchantment that says whenever a creature an opponent controls becomes tapped if it isn't being declared as an attacker you may draw a card um yeah i think an alternate build of this or maybe a sub theme of the like blinky creatures build is is like relying on that tap another creature ability or yeah. not relying on it but just making use of it in some way get a lot of value off it because there are a lot of things that you can get value off of especially if you're going to play the sort of control stacks-esque build so like meek stone would be really good in this deck because it's a one mana artifact creatures with power three or greater don't untap during their commander their controllers un- untap steps so this is a way to tap down a creature once and that's it it's never going to untap yeah and this takes care of really big creatures and again threat of activation with meek stone out is just like hey don't attack me yeah or they, actually they can't attack because this is not going to untap those get tapped yeah and static orb sort of has the same thing no players players can can't untap more than two permanents during their untap step here's an interesting thing when thassa blinks something it's going to come back on the battlefield untapped right and so you're going to get a little bit of advantage from things like static orb and stasis maybe there's a way to work that you're not gonna make a lot of friends doing that kind of no. stuff but it is a way to sort of you know use thassa i think other cards that want cards to be tapped betrayal is this interesting blue enchantment cost blue and then enchant creature and opponent controls whenever that creature becomes tapped you draw a card uh daring thief is a card with the inspired mechanic which means that whenever it becomes untapped you may exchange control of target non-land permanent you control and target permanent and opponent controls that shares a card type with it normally it's really hard to attack with these because people will just try and kill it but you can tap it with thassa untap and, uh, uh, at the end step basically goes to your turn and boom you switch some stuff mm-hmm. maybe um, those creatures that are you already got the etb so you don't care if they get it now yeah another card from the theris block is 
interesting. I don't know if this is actually good or not, but it's a it thoughts would be a card in the deck. It's, it's uh, Disciple of Deceit. It's blue black for a one three. Whenever it becomes untapped, you may discard a non land card. If you do, search your library for a card with the same converted mana cost as that card, and then put it into your hand. Oh, so it's a little bit of a tutor. A tutor, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of things that when they become tapped or untapped, you draw you a card, some merfolk, some the card like King Makar, the Gold Curse. Right. You know. Could you'd have to be in a different deck because it can't yeah. go in the Thassa deck. Yeah. So I mean, I I'm interested in Thassa. I think it would be a very interesting thing to build a mono blue deck around. Definitely not super duper powerful, but tons of value. A lot of guaranteed value, pretty much. Yeah. I think the tap thing is more interesting to build around than the blinky part, which yeah. is like we know how that goes, and it's going to be good, but it's not super exciting. Yeah. The tap thing is definitely interesting, but the problem is you're probably going to rely on the Conjurer's Closet part a lot because why not? That's just generically powerful. I think you put Thassa in any Brago deck, yeah. any Yarok deck, any yeah. deck that... It's wants. Conjurer's Closet. And yeah. If, if Conjurer's Closet goes in the deck and it has blue, this is just probably better. It's indestructible and it's one less mana. And it has more abilities on it. And it, yeah, exactly. It can do other stuff. Fun, fun. All right. Next up, we have a... Uh, a buff card. Look at this guy. <laughs> Thrix, the sudden storm, three blue blue for a four five legendary creature, elemental giant with flash and flying. That's a flying giant. Mm-hmm. Spells you cast with converted mana cost five or greater, cost one less to cast, and can't be countered. It's interesting that the word storms in the name, but you wouldn't storm off with the, the, the ability in any way. The Watch costing you. one less to cast is nice, but usually you're not. But it has to yeah. be five CMC or greater. <laughs> yeah. like, you're not starting off with like a bunch of six mana spells. What this means to me, though, is that you cast this as uh, late as turn five, and then the next turn you have access to seven mana beaters that can't be countered. So cards that I think are really good at seven mana, I looked this up, Diluvium Primordial, Royal Elemental, because That's you can one. pay yeah. six for it, or pay five for it, and then put another land into play, because you don't need the seventh land there, or the sixth land. Perplexing Chimera is a card that people counter on site, so it's a way to get that down. Blatant Thievery costs seven mana, so you'll be able to play this on turn six. Cyclonic Rift, you can now overload a turn earlier. Um, Minus Dilation is another seven drop. Swarm Intelligence is another seven drop. So I'm scared of putting that many high CMC cards in my deck, because if they just kill Thrix... <laughs> You're just like, okay, so then now I'm not doing anything for a long time now. Yeah. Um, also, the spells can't be counter thing, I think, is a little bit misleading, because while that spell's on the stack, it's possible to kill Thrix and then counter it. And then counter it, yeah. It's not like that's the easiest thing to do, but it's possible to still counter things uh, yeah. because it's on a creature. It's not like Thrix cannot be removed either. You know, he's... I mean, if I had a deck and it was already, I thought, good, and it already had a bunch of five CMC or greater spells in it, then maybe I put Thrix in there, but I don't think I build a deck around Thrix. No. Doesn't seem very, uh, like a good idea. All right, next up, one more card after this one. It's Timurit, Chosen from Death. It's the final of the Demigod cycle. Black, black for a two-star. Timurit's toughness is equal to your devotion to black, so by himself, he's a 2-2. One in the black, exile up to two target cards from graveyards. You gain one life for each creature card exiled this way. So he's kind of like Scavengerous. Scavengerous, yeah. It doesn't grow or gain you life or anything, so it's... Oh, it gains you life for the creature cards, but oh, yeah, you're right. it doesn't grow. But yeah, yeah, exile up to two target cards, so even if you have zero targets, you can still pay one in the black to do this effect. Oh, yeah. Nothing. You just wouldn't gain any life, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you're just like, I, I'm using my mana. Yeah. Um... Sure, it's just kind of mediocre, generic graveyard hate, which is 
can be useful and is fine. Um, we were trying to think of any cards that go with this, and, and Murph was like, uh, I don't know, the Eldrazi processors? <laughs> the ones that care about cards that are in opponent's grave, uh, in opponent's exile piles. Yeah. yeah, so like Wasteland Strangler is a uh, two and a black for a 3-2 has Devoid, but it says when it enters the battlefield, you may put a card an opponent owns from exile into that player's graveyard. If you do, target creature gets negative three, negative three until end of turn. Okay. There's a bunch of processors. This is just the one we used as an example here because yeah. it's black and could go in this deck. Uh, Timoret maybe goes in some decks as a graveyard hate tool, but I, think I that's- doubt all it is it's yeah. just a, an okay graveyard hate i don't even think it's that great you probably just rather run your tormod's crypts and stuff like that and call it good relic progenitus all right the very last new legendary card from theros beyond death is the card i'm going to be playing in the next episode of game nights it's one of the titans uh it's uro 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 I always probably say this wrong because in like Hawaiian, the U, the U is an U sound. Like it's not ukulele. Oh, it's, it's ukulele. Ukulele, yeah. And so I want to say it that way. But in Greek, I don't know. So it might be uro or uro. 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 I don't know. Um, uro, U-R-O, Titan of Nature's Wrath. One, a green and a blue for a 6-6 six, six legendary creature, Elder Giant. When it enters the battlefield, sacrifice it unless it escaped. So same as, what was that one called? Uh starts with a K. Kroxa. Kroxa. Okay. Whenever Uro enters the battlefield or attacks, you gain three life and draw a card. Then you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. So it it growth spirals, but gain three life. Cool. And then it has escape cost of green, green, blue, blue, exile five other cards from your graveyard. And that means you may cast it uh, from your graveyard for its escape cost. So a lot of the things we said about Kroxa are still true here. I think, again, the escape mechanic plays a lot better than it reads. Um, yes, a lot of time to respond to that trigger. If you put this in a two-lane deck, you could bounce it back to your hand, or if you play cards like Crystal Shard. Yeah, I think Crystal Shard's probably one of the best cards in the Oro deck. It's uh, three mana for an artifact. You pay either three generic or one blue and tap it. You're going to play one blue. <laughs> and then you return target creature to its owner ha- owner's hand unless this controller pays one. So the play pattern here is you cast Uro from your command zone. You get the effect of draw a card, gain three life, put a land into play. And then the, it says, oh, you didn't pay the escape cost. You have to sacrifice it. In response to that trigger, you bounce it back to your hand with Crystal Shard. And now you can play it again. The land you put into play could be an island as well. So you can use that for the Crystal Shard, right? So you're just getting... So much value. You're always casting Earl for three mana, and you're always getting a life gain, card draw, and mana ramp. And the land doesn't come into play tapped, so it comes into play untapped, which is pretty important because it basically makes Earl cost two, if you Mm -hmm. do that right. Uh, So that's a play pattern that's cool. Ashnod's Altar, another way to just sack it in response to get some of the mana back. Uh, Same things we talked about with Kroxa. Altar of Dementia, I think, again, really good. Yeah, mills the six cards, so now you're going to definitely be able to escape it. Um, greater good, just like we talked about, same thing, sack it, mm-hmm. and draw six, discard three. Uh, Hedron Crab, really good with Uro because... Landfall. Yeah, so it's a blue mana for an O2. Landfall, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, target player puts the top three cards of their library into their graveyard. So you play Uro, uh, Hedron Crab's already out, you draw a card, gain three life, put a land into play, mill the top three cards of your library into your graveyard, and now you've gotten close to if you play a land next turn you can escape out a row nice 
Savala is really good. Earl's oh, probably going to be the biggest card on the battlefield, so you're going to draw a card because of Savala's ability, as well as then pay green and tap Savala and add six mana to your mana pool before Earl disappears into the graveyard or whatever else you decide to do with it. So just so much Yeah, with mana. Savala, you might even be able to play Earl from the command zone and escape it back into play in the same turn. As long as you have some blue mana, yeah. Yeah, so... Well, it's any combination of colors oh, you're right, from Savala, you're right. so you're she'll right. give you the blue. So that's like crazy... Yeah, so it'd be draw two cards, gain three life, put a land into play, then put it back out, draw two more cards, yep. gain three life, put a land into play with Selvala. Selvala's nuts. That's just so much value for a single turn. Um, and then Mirage Mirror, again, with Escape works really well because you can use the copy clause on it before the creature gets discard- sacrificed, and then if you're able to attack with it because you play Mirage Mirror a turn earlier, then boom, you get the double trigger. So lots of really good stuff going on there. Yeah, Take a second look at the escape mechanic. I think a lot of people are maybe not... not the, you don't it's understand. Commander. Like We yeah. have the ability to really mess with it. And once you have like 50 cards in your graveyard, Uro has no commander tax for basically the rest of the game. Just costs yeah. four mana every time. Yeah. All right. Well, you might notice that uh, our clothes changed a little there. We actually forgot one commander to talk about, so we're splicing it in here through the magic of editing. Yep. And we t- we tend to forget these because they're the buy a box promo, so they kind of slip past the radar. But this one is actually one of the returning gods from Theros. It's Athreos Shroud Veiled. It is a four white and black for six mana total legendary enchantment creature god. That's a four seven indestructible. And it says as long as your devotion to white and black is less than seven, Athreos isn't a creature. At the beginning of your end step, put a coin counter on another target creature. Whenever a creature with a coin counter on it dies or is put into exile, return that card to the battlefield under your control. So the coin here isn't money. It's the coins that were placed on people's eyes as they pass down the river Nyx. Yeah. Um, All right. So this is interesting. I think the first card that comes to mind for most people is Skullbriar. Yeah, Skullbriar is a card that actually keeps counters on it as it moves from zone to zone. Now, typically, these are plus one, plus one counters, but in this case, it actually lets you take Skullbriar if you're playing an Obzon deck, and then, boom, he keeps the coin counter, it dies during exiles, and comes right back. Right. It, Skullbriar technically loses the counters if it goes to hand or library, but as long as it's graveyard or exile, coin counters would stay, Yeah, which means that if you have a coin counter on it, and you sack it, it'll come back immediately with the coin counter still on it, which means you can sack it and it'll come back immediately with the coin counter still on it. So that's like, a, I think, the first sort of infinite combo that everybody came up with for this. Yeah. Um, obviously very powerful. Yeah, it's really powerful. The thing that to really keep in mind is that this card cares a lot about things on the end step. Uh, so you you actually have a lot of interesting things you can do here. If you're using cards like Goriel's Vengeance, which is a card that puts a legendary creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield, the creature gains haste, and then it has a clause that says exile at the beginning of the next end step. What's going to happen if you have Aetherios out at the same time? Both of these triggers are going to happen at the same time, and then you actually get to choose which one goes first. So you can say, all right, I'm going to bring back this legendary creature. It's going to attack, do whatever, and then it's the end step. Boom. I can choose to have the Aetherios trigger, put a coin counter on that creature first, and then the card like Gorrior's Vengeance or Shallow Grave or Corpse Dance is going to say exile it. And so, boom, it's gone, and then it's immediately right back. Because of Aetherios' ability. Yeah, I think one of the unique things about Aetherios is that it allows coming back from exile. Usually we're used yeah. to that coming back from graveyard. Exile's not... Uh, usually on uh, available to you as something that you can get things back from an interesting thing about um Athreos is also that it says it brings it back 
under your control. It's similar to Marchesa, your favorite deck. So, Deal. yeah, and the other thing is that it doesn't care if you're exiling the thing forever. So if you flicker, which exiles the creature, it'll come back under your control. So put a coin counter on somebody else's creature, flicker wisp it, comes back under your control. Yeah, and notably, it has to happen at a different point. It can't be an instant speed uh, flicker it, and it immediately comes back. It needs to say something like Flickerwitz does, which is like, when this enters the battlefield, exile another target permanent, and then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. So that right, means so that when it disappears, Atheros is going to snatch it out of the exile zone and put it under your control, and then the second part of that ability doesn't work anymore. Right, so cards like Eldrazi Displacer, Deadeye Navigator, because there's no pause in between, they say... Exile target creature and then return it to the battlefield under your control uh, all in one sentence. Yeah. There's no moment for Atheris to sort of snag it in there. Yeah, it'll like it'll exile it and it'll come back and the trigger will have happened, but Atheris doesn't have like a chance to like grab it. Atheris' trigger world. will still be on the stack when it comes back, basically. Yeah, I think so, because it does exile and come back, but it's already come back by the time because it's part of the resolution of the effect. Interesting. Okay, well, look up the, the, uh, the particulars of that rule if you're going to do that. But there is some play there, I think, yeah. as far as like... I think Atheros is probably best used as a steal other people's stuff commander because that is a more powerful thing to do than kind of like sack your creature twice. Yeah, and there's no real way to double up the coins you put on things except for Stranic Resonator. So that's going to be one of the best cards in the deck. Well, I don't know, because if you put two coins on it, what's that do for you? No, no, you get to do it twice. You get to put two oh, coins right, on right. different you things. Two yeah. different things, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's right. like you can't unfortunately copy, like, weird counters like this onto other things. You can do it with, like, plus one, plus one counters and stuff, but coin counters oh, is so specific. two different targets, yeah. Yeah. There's but, um, also, like, if you Sakashima, Atheros, you could get two triggers. That's the only other way I could think of. Yeah, to oh, get. Spark Double is the same thing. Because uh, one of the host... Oh, Helm of the Host, of course. But, but you can break that a billion other ways. And by the way, like, Helm of the Host as a plan in your deck is not a good one because it never actually happens. Yeah, and Atheros needs to be a creature. Yeah. So. <laughs> There's a lot of hoops to jump through there. Um, but but coin counters, like, it seems slow. One coin counter per turn is very slow. Like, yeah. even if you're stealing one creature every turn, which you have to have another effect to do it, right? Just putting a coin counter on something doesn't do it. You have to kill or exile that creature. Board wipe, do whatever. Yeah, and... What are you going to do? Like coin counter, coin counter, coin counter, then board wipe? Sure, your plan over the course of four turns really worked out, but that's if nothing gets disrupted. Atheros is indestructible, though, and, you know, maybe it's just... I mean, white and black's not great at stealing creatures, right? Yeah, it's true. I think um, that... I was trying to play around with moving counters around somehow. Like, um, so Fate Transfer or Leech Bonder are two cards that can move any type of counters around, but I didn't come up with any way to make that actually do anything so <laughs> maybe maybe there's something there i mean doubling season and then that maybe i don't yeah. know it I, yeah i think this card is like fine i think you can have some sort of sneak attacky things that you do like warrior's vengeance is like that unearth mm-hmm. is a mechanic that like you play a card out of your graveyard but it's gonna go away at the end of turn if you right. could get a coin counter right. on it real quick then you could keep it around forever again and yeah. there's some slightly tricky stuff you can do but if you have like astral slide slash astral uh, drift decks those are all about cycling and then exiling things and flickering them um, but the thing is Atheros costs six I do like that you can play cards like Long Road Home, which is something that exiles a target creature, and then it returns with a plus one, plus one counter on it. So it's like almost protection, maybe for something else in your deck, if you're trying to protect it before Athreos comes out. I don't know. Yeah, but you can use Long Road Home as like a control magic. Yeah, all of a sudden it, you know, grabs something with a coin counter. I think if you're just able to have Athreos out one turn, it's probably not going to get removed. It's an indestructible enchantment. Uh, You can remove one thing at that same end step that you play it and you steal a creature and six mana that's not the worst but it's not like 
blow your mind incredibly powerful yeah. either but uh, for i think it's actually an interesting commander i think to to build around maybe it could be very politicized who knows yeah i think the politics of it are actually pretty good um i thought like a mathis deck yeah, this Mathis could be quite good. good because Mathis puts a bounty counter on the thing. So you put the coin counter on it, put the bounty counter on it, and then everybody else will be incentivized to kill it. Yeah. So that's interesting. It is interesting indeed. Uh, well, you know, it's going to be an interesting card to build around. I may or may not think about it. Uh, that's basically giving me every <laughs> single option available to me. All options available to you. Yep. That's how we do it here in the command zone. <laughs> all right. This is the part of the program we do every time where we decide what our favorite overall new commander is. E -e -e. Uh, I wrote down some that I think are nominees. Yeah. So, Perforos, Heliod, Thassa, Dalakos, Uro, and Kroxa. I think we already said we want to build around Kroxa. Yeah. So that's going to be our favorite, isn't it? I think that's my... Well, I don't know. Maybe favorite overall for me is just Perforos because I do love Perforos. It's my favorite Greek god as well, Hephaestus, god of the forge. Um, and it's a really cool card with a cool... Like, sneak attack on a commander is, yeah. is pretty sweet. And it's like in a way that feels not as busted as they made it back in the day, which I'm okay with. I don't need every card to be sneak attack level powerful. Like, I, I think it's still very interesting to work with the restriction of it costing a little more mana for a not as powerful effect, but still very good and and to piggyback on what you said there i think if we look at this batch of legendary creatures as a whole mm -hmm. these 20 whatever cards we said it were one thing i really like about it is there isn't there isn't a prime speaker vanifar in here yeah there isn't one that feels go, Ugh. There, yeah there's no urza in here at least from us looking at it on our first run through i don't feel like there is a tier one easy to break competitive super broken commander in here there's some interesting stuff and I, I i hope they do this more i think this feels more fun than just having a couple yeah. of like oh boy yeah of course that thing's gonna be crazy powerful well let's ask did urza make our format better no i don't think so yeah. at all and i don't think it made any <laughs> format better because they're having problems with it in modern <laughs> yeah, and stuff every too. format yeah exactly yeah <laughs> so i like this batch of legendary creatures the escape mechanics interesting it's yeah it's powerful but you have to do jump through a lot of hoops to make it work i think a lot of them work in that way i think perforos is powerful but you have to jump through hoops to make it work they mm -hmm. put the right restrictions on it i really like what they did it makes it more interesting to build around at least and it challenges people as deck builders yeah so this good. this seems like a good batch of legendary creatures um to the listeners what's your favorite new legend from theros Beyond Death, you agree with Jimmy? Is it Perforos? you agree with me? Is it Kroxa? Do you have a different pick? Are there any cool interactions or combos you see for that card or any of the cards that you think we missed or yeah, didn't talk about? Yeah, we tried to be pretty exhaustive this time around, but I'm sure we always some miss cool some. stuff. Yeah. yeah, we always miss some. We're, we're recording this generally before the world knows about most of these cards, so we do our best. Hopefully, yeah, we didn't really. miss too many. Um, you know who else does their best? And card they, Kingdom. <laughs> And they what? And they do a great job every they time. Do, their they best do. Their best is great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Their best is like incredibly fast shipping, uh, really great uh, buyback system as well if you're trying to sell cards. If you go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone, you type that affiliate link in, it'll bring you to their website. And from there, you can peruse their entire catalog of all the cards from Theros Beyond Death. You can pre-order right now or you can buy booster boxes. You can get all sorts of products surrounding these cards as well as build a deck. Maybe you do need to buy a crystal shard or something else. Sundial of the Infinite. Sundial of the Infinite, yeah. So great website, great service, great sponsor. Thank you, Card Kingdom. You should check it out. You should also check out our other awesome sponsor, which is Ultra Pro. They make all the best stuff to protect your stuff. And also, they do all the stuff that's themed around the most current set. So if you build a Perforos deck and you want Perforos sleeves and Perforos playmat, Perforos deck boxes, that's the type of stuff that Ultra Pro is going to have. So yep. if you want to protect your stuff and make it look cool, Ultra Pro is the way to go. And sometimes they do cool stuff like the wall scrolls. 
and mm-hmm. specialty play mats that you can't, you know, anytime you go to a GP and they have ultra mode product there around that GP, pretty cool too. All right, now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. We've just agreed on something cool to talk about. Yeah, I haven't actually seen it yet because I've decided to play the video game first oh, to get more into the world. I thought you'd seen it based on your Twitter post. Uh, <laughs> I, well, I'm very familiar with the video game series and the numerous memes that has spawned off. Okay, so it's The Witcher, which is uh, the Netflix series with Henry Cavill playing... Geralt, Geralt of Rivia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not familiar with the books, and I've played a little bit of the video games. But the books not are much. apparently are phenomenal. Yeah, which People is weird because I love fantasy books, and I've read a lot of them, and I just never read the Witcher series for whatever reason. Anyway, it's like a oh boy, seven ish episodes, six episode series yep. on Netflix. Uh, big, it's got its fairly own- high budget. Yeah, it's people, you know, heralded it sort of as, like, as a new Game of Thrones type right. thing. It's not that. If it's you're different. In, yeah, if you're into the fantasy world, if you're into sort of like, because uh, the books and the video game all have this and so does the show, but it's really cheeky and kind of weird, funny humor. Um, the show looks to be stock full of it. I've been reading a lot of the reviews that people have had and people are, if anything, just very intrigued by it. And it mm-hmm. seems like a really fascinating world. They, the production value looks really good. I've seen some of the sword fights they've done. They do a lot of one takes. They do a lot of really choreographed stuff. And Henry Cavill, people are saying, just kills it. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is, uh, uh, full disclosure, I don't think Henry Cavill is generally great in stuff. He's <laughs> fine in a lot of things. But he's not a person that I would put on like a top 10 list. A great actor. Yeah. List of great actors. He would just not come to mind. Sorry, Henry. Obviously, you listen to this show. Actually, he's a he's, big gamer, though. He's a gamer, so yeah. you never know. But... Um, and I don't think he's been horrible in anything, right? I just think he's like a yeah, very medium. I thought he was really good in this series. Okay. I thought he, like he's doing some interesting things and like he, yeah. I, and physicality wise, he's great in everything he does. And so the fights definitely look really, really good. I, I, I enjoyed the series quite a bit. I didn't think it was perfect. Definitely not like it's definitely not like the good years of Game of Thrones or anything. Ah, <laughs> uh, the good years. Yeah. <laughs> you can't just blanket say it's definitely not Game of Thrones because you know there was a there was a range of Game of yeah, Thrones. Yeah, definitely. But it was <laughs> it was interesting. I thought they made uh, some interesting choices that in the gaps between episodes, it felt like there was a bunch of story that happened that uh, uh, we weren't conveyed. privy to. Yeah. And so there was even one episode where I like started to watch it and I paused and I was like, oh, I must have skipped an episode. <laughs> nope. And I went back and I was like, nope, I watched the last episode. Well, geez, a lot must have happened in between there because that's funny. Yeah. But I just assumed, but, but in general, I thought it was, I thought it was good and entertaining. It's, it's rated R. So yeah. for the people with kids or kids out there, you know, the show is about a world where that has crossed paths with like a dark demon esque thing. And as a result, a lot of crazy creatures and monsters are in the world. They've also affected the people living in the world. And witchers are these magical humans that are basically, paid to be bounty hunters for these and there's all there's this mages guild and there's a lot of politics involved with like how they work in the different kingdoms and stuff so i can see why there was some comparison to game of thrones even though it's not as deep into that part of it it has like a monster of the week quality to it also which i thought was kind of refreshing we don't do that much anymore so anyway the witcher on netflix i think is a good watch all right all right moving on to the final cleanup step of the show our editing graphics and logistics team here at the command zone house is craig blanchett ashlyn rose alfred the stock josh murphy jake boss sam waldo and of course our brand new addition and most likely the person editing this video is lady danger so welcome to the team special thanks to jeffrey palmer for the living card animations that start and begin all of our content as well as the cool animations in the windows behind us yeah. you can find it jeffrey at living cards mtg on twitter and there's gonna be a new one for theros very soon for our game nights episode that's right keep your eye out for that and for that episode all right everybody thanks for watching and we'll see you next time peace
our attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. So I I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.